When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you on this Friday, the day before the big day at Ellerslie, the day before a big weekend of sport, actually. Uh, so looking forward to it. And uh, pleased to say I'm in the studio in Auckland, and it is plush, certainly. With all the screens in front of me, uh, people around, it's a hive of activity. It's a far cry from the garage in Havelock North, I can promise you that. However, uh, we've still got a busy show, and it'll all sound the same. Uh, Clark Laidlaw joins us uh, straight away because uh, he's the coach of the Sevens, of course. Uh, they've got uh, the Commonwealth Games coming up, but they've got not much in between, and that's the frustrating side of it. So uh, we'll have to talk to Clark because they should be in Spain. Apparently they're uh, on their way to Wellington. We'll catch up with him. Devin Conway, uh, really looking forward to this chat. First time I've ever spoken to the guy, actually, but God, You've got to admire what he's achieved in cricket so far. Absolutely, absolutely the the best thing, really, uh, that he was available to play for New Zealand and not someone else. Man, we're reaping the benefits of that. Uh, Ricardo Ball after 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, Ricardo, of course, is our football correspondent. Phoenix teams, both men and women, playing tonight. Uh, and uh, really, they have to find some form. So we'll look at that as well as overseas fixtures. Jordan Oppert and James Regan will be on the panel around about 10.20 this morning. Uh, Louis will come back in. Uh, we'll talk about racing, obviously, about what's uh, happening at Ellerslie tomorrow. And we're going to go back to Jenny Drummond. Uh, fantastic, lovely voice and uh, great tennis commentator. Uh, was it a bad night for the Brits? And she's Scott. She's a Scott. It was a bad night for the Brits at the tennis last night. Then Mickey Guerin, of course, with our trotting segment uh, before midday. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon. Well, uh, we all know that the Winter Olympics are a fortnight away. We know they're going to happen, which is a bonus these days. And we know we've got a young, exciting and expanding team. Now, I'm an old codger. When I look back at these kids who are going to do their darndest for us, my youngest actually is four years older than the second eldest on the team. I just can't get my head around that. Uh, so it's time really, I think, out of respect, to get our heads around what they're doing and to learn the jargon. Well, I think we owe them that. So you've got to do that too. So you best start swatting up on your shredding, your riding and your cruising, and that's snowboarding for down the hill. The pow, the kicker, hitting, hitting, stomp, zeech, bail and wipe out. I think I get that one. Avoid the toe or the heel drag at all costs. Use the cut and the jib as part of your repertoire. Taking a risk is gnarly. Getting it to come off is sick or rad. If you're bombing, you're winning. If you're a free plant, you're not. And if it's your life and you dedicate everything to it, you're a knuckle dragger. 
Jamaican bobsled team are going to be there as well. Remember 1988 and Cool Runnings, they're promising fire on ice. And their team song, if it has anything to do with it, they will be a massive drawcard. not get excited about their performance uh, they were 30th out of 41 teams back in 1988, they're looking for the big improve there, it actually beats the hell out of God defend New Zealand doesn't it although we want to hear plenty of that Ben and Gustav and Nico and Miguel and Cool and Tian and Zoe and Margot if they can find their form God even their names are rad and if the England team are on a par with their cricketers there's a fair chance they'll discover another Eddie the Eagle a trier, horribly out of his depth, somewhat of a laughing stock. Does that sound familiar? They are the furthest thing you'd ever get from knuckle draggers. So it is 9.08 here on SCNZ. Uh, well, the All Black Seven should be in Spain right now preparing for this weekend's World Series event in Malaga. But instead, apparently they're driving from Tauranga to Wellington this morning to play a Community Sevens tournament. And joining us now is their head coach, uh, Clark Laidlaw. Uh, Clark, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. bit different to being in Spain, mate, driving to Wellington. <laughs> Yeah, it's a similar, it seems like a similar travel day. Um, you fly to, to Spain or drive to Wellington, so it's, um, yeah, it's a little bit different, but I guess it is what it is, so we're pretty excited around getting on the road this morning. Must be a hell of a frustrating, mate. You see this, uh, com- these competitions you should be at um, around the world beaming in. You see uh, your opposition teams getting serious uh, competition and match practice, and uh, you can't be there. Yeah, I think you, you know we all go through that range of emotion, don't you? Disappointment and uh, frustration, probably a little bit of anger. Um, but ultimately, there's not much we can do around that. So you're right. It's um, you know we'd love to be there. Um, you know a lot of these teams are now going to have played six tournaments when we've been sitting here, sort of stuck since the Olympics. But I guess it just sharpens our attention um, to the way we train and prepare. Um, going down to Wellington is a good example where we just need to find a way, I guess, you know, to, to keep the men engaged. Sport is our religion. And, well, and here it is. Playing as well as they can. I, I can. I can only imagine your frustration. Um, is there any prospect at all you can get onto this World Series circuit at some point? Yeah, we're hopeful um, for, for the tournaments coming up. You know, I think... You know, we have looked at options of going away and staying away, um, potentially some holding camps in different parts of the world that would allow us to to be involved. So, I think once they get through these these Spanish tournaments, you know, I think um, you know the plan for us will be to try and get to whenever the next tournaments are, 
if that then requires you know a longer period away and then maybe some MIQ later in the year. Initially, we did have MIQ post Hong Kong Singapore as our initial planning. Mm. So hopefully, as I say, we can get to maybe the next two or four tournaments, and then by Toulouse and London later in the year, you know, you could you could end up seeing that being another spell away potentially where you've got Com Games and World Cup to to come on the back of that. So there's definitely a few you know balls in the air. Um, you know, as we've become accustomed to over the last couple of years, but we're optimistic. You know, we're, we're we're training well, we're preparing well. So I guess that's what we need to do: is just stay stay as ready as we can and, and get back in that contest when we can. Been a lot of talk about the the dreaded MIQ system, Clark. A lot of uh, people have been affected with it. We only just have to look at uh, earlier this week with uh, the cricket side not being able to go to Australia. There's all sorts of talk about uh, teams coming in this direction because. The borders are tight again. Uh, and there's also been talk about a purpose-built facility for sports teams and athletes, and uh, a lot of people that uh, would agree that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, what would be your view on that? Yeah, well, I think it would make sense. We had facilities you could bring sports teams into. You know, we're, um, we're professional athletes and sports people. Uh, it's our jobs. Um, having the ability to go and do your job would be, you know, would be a step forward. Um, I guess it's a complicated scenario, as, as we all know, through through governments and, and borders and so on. So I am hopeful, as I say, we you know we've been in MIQ. I've done it a couple of times. Um, you know, it's it's not ideal, but hopefully, as, as the borders do you know do change a little bit, or the, the one week self isolation that you know was looking likely a little bit earlier in the year, if we can get those you know those options. You know, I think all sports people would. We'd stick to what they needed to. Um, we would be desperate to to be able to go and and play. So whatever restrictions or protocols were in place, I'm pretty sure you get good adherence from from people travelling. Well, Clark, it is what it is at the moment, and it is what it is in Wellington for you this weekend. So tell us about the the tournament and and what you hope to get out of it. Well, there's uh, seven games. So it's a big day. We're first on against Wanganui Fijian. So it's a it's a Bula Fijian Simmons tournament. It's um, 18 Fijian teams from all around the country, plus <laughs> us and another select side. So I can imagine <laughs> the the teams are going to come up against are going to be reasonably motivated and excited to get a crack at uh, some of our players. So so yeah, we we just want some genuine game time. We've got we've got a middle tier of players that haven't played a lot of rugby over the last couple of years that have been sitting here, you know, ready to go. We've got five new players in the squad this year that, again, you know, playing seven is really important to their development, looking ahead towards come games and World Cup. So so that's the reason going, and as well as getting into the community. You know, the, the men are actually really excited around, you know, playing in a club tournament, giving back. Um, we're going to back that up with playing here next week against another select side next Thursday, Friday. So, yeah, as you say, it's not Malaga and Seville, but it's uh, it's Wellington and uh, Mount Monganui. So... So yeah, we're excited. You know, it's, it's um, seven games against Fijian opposition. Um, I think we all know if we're going to win big tournaments, means to be really well against that style. So it'll give some of our younger younger men uh, an opportunity to play against them. Clark, that sounds. Uh, I hear the word Fiji and and rugby. You put them together, uh, you, you almost put physicality there. So I, I would imagine you might have some relatively sore bodies at the end of this. Yeah, well, seven games. I say, uh, I said to the man, you need to be careful what you wish for. They want want to play rugby, so I've given them seven games, and now they're a little bit hesitant. So, um, 
the Matic Farmer described it quite nicely that they need to remember and pass and sidestep over the weekend. So just keep themselves safe after they've moved that ball in. So, so yeah, it should be fun. Okay, Clark, let's, uh, you talked about the five new guys that uh, you've got uh, in the squad this time around. So Leroy Carter, Shay Clark, Rhodes Featherston, Roderick Solo, and Caleb uh, Tangito. Uh, tell us about these guys. Yeah, well, they're all, they're all slightly different. We've got, um, you know, Rhodes and Leroy are slightly more mature, have both played, um, you know, in NPC Rhodes a little bit less than, than Leroy, but they're both. Uh, a lot of seven experience those two boys and as I say a little bit more mature they're, they're good professionals already um, they're both really tough players really good defensively good over the ball and a real point of difference there and the three other guys are all a little bit younger um, Roderick um, you know, he's a schoolboy school he was like night MVP a couple of years ago got a really bad ACL injury um, and he just made his way back from that so he's somebody that's played a bit of sevens and we've had him here when he was 17 so we're really excited around him. He's come back from that injury, you know, really strongly. He's, he's got a beautiful skill set and, and really quick. And Caleb and Shay are, are a relationship with Blues and Auckland that we're really working hard to to work together with those, you know, with Super Rugby, but certainly the Blues in Auckland have been really keen. So Shay's a loose forward from Kings. Uh, he's gonna he's actually gonna go up and play in the World Schools this weekend because he just finished school. So he's he's a big six eight, uh, very dynamic athlete. And Caleb, the out-and-out winger, he's um, he's 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 big, powerful, and quick. He's he's got, and again, he's really skillful. He's he's uh, really turned his head in training. He came in last year as a 17-year-old and, and trained with us and had his 18th birthday here. So he's he's going really well, Caleb. He's, he's slightly ahead of the other boys because he was in here last year. So we're excited to see him play this weekend. Well, you're going to have to, uh, some decisions to make uh, later in the year, closer to the Commonwealth Games, of course. Uh, because the nucleus of the squad that won it back in the Gold Coast in 2018, uh, many of those guys still around. Curry, Mickelson, Baker, Dixon, Newstub, uh, Regan Weir, Molia, Collier. I mean, uh, a lot of experience uh, for you to draw on them, but then you've got to, I, I guess you've got to blend that in with the group that you've just mentioned. So uh, interesting times for yourself uh, as a selector as well. Yeah, it's, it's a good mix, isn't it? You know, and that's, I said to somebody last week, I was quite excited around the group because of that mix. Um, I think if we look ahead to Paris in, in 24, the transition between now and then is really important. You know, we're losing a year of, of the transition or the you know the cycle with the Olympics being a year later probably shaped what we've done this year around, you know, some of these boys, the senior players stayed on for another year. If it'd been two years to our pinnacle event, you know, it might be slightly different around what that looked like. But yeah, you're right. It's um, it's a good little challenge for us. How do we get, I guess, some of the younger talent and middle tier talent? You know, even guys like Moses Leo, Kitty Onavai, uh, Brady Rush, living here for a year. These boys are ready to go, and I think people once they get to see them play, will, will be quite excited around those those types of players. Um, so getting them to these pinnacle events and giving them an opportunity before Paris, it's certainly something um, after the last cycle is really important. Having players go to an Olympics with either a Com Games or World Cup experience behind them. So I think that'll shake our heads a little bit when we get to, to that point in the end. But, you know, guys like Regan and Joe Weber and these guys, they're only 27 years old. You know, people feel, <laughs> I think they think they're 35. These mm. boys have got the best rugby ahead of them. So but it's an exciting mix. It's, um, it's a good challenge. Um, hopefully we get genuine live competition, you know, games. So... 
so the men can put their hand up for selection later in the year. Clark, you can't be at the World Series uh, at this stage, but uh, I, I, manage, uh, I imagine you're still monitoring uh, as much as you can of it. What have you noticed about the, the teams so far? Are they basing themselves around experience? Do you see any uh, new talent, any dangers uh, in terms of uh, the competing countries that are, that are able to be there? Yeah, there's heaps of new talent. Um, Africa, I've sort of changed the profile of the team a little bit. They're a little bit smaller, but genuinely quick. Uh, they're outstanding defensively, very well organised, as they always are. Um, so they're, they've obviously been the standout team, but I've really enjoyed watching teams like Argentina and France. Um, I think France are probably looking ahead towards, you know, Paris. They're going to have a World Cup in 23 and, a, and an Olympics. Both the male and female rugby teams are, are obviously going well. They, they, for the first time, had two or three of the top under-20 players in their team in Dubai. So it felt like there was a little bit of a shift around um, what type of player they were putting in their sevens. So, you know, they would probably be the three teams, I thought, played really well. And, you know, you've got the usual suspects. Fiji will be, will be back to their best at some point. And they have lost, you know, they've lost some genuine world-class sevens players to the Drua. And obviously their European players went back uh, to Mumbai and Randra and these boys. So... You know, when I look at that Olympic team and, and start reflecting on the quality they had there, it was it was a the hell of a rugby team they had at the Olympics. So I'm sure uh, I'm sure they'll be uh, rebuilding and, and putting another team together that'll be be strong come July and, and September uh, for those two pinnacle events. Six months out now from uh, the Commonwealth Games, um, is it are you in a position to say really how you feel about how you're tracking? We're tr- Honestly, mate, we're, we're, we're training really well. Um, we've came back in amazing spirits from Christmas. The, the disappointment of tournaments hasn't rocked us around how we're preparing. It's just going to be if we can get live rugby. You know, everybody knows that you know, there's a reason why you get good at playing rugby is by playing rugby. So, so that's going to be our challenge. Um, I think it's the strongest squad we've had depth-wise. So if everybody's fit and available and we do get live rugby, then I'm really confident we can you know, have a real challenge again and um, and really have a really good crack in Birmingham and then, you know, it's a short turnaround to World Cup, that's a bit different again, so you know, you have to dust yourself off quickly and and go to the World Cup. So it's exciting challenges. We're you know, we've got some new staff, we've got some new players. There's a real energy around the environment at the minute. Um, you know, both the men's and women's seem seem in a really good space considering it's you know, it's six months post Olympics and then, you know, with everything going on, not travelling, you know, we're really you know, we're really confident we're still preparing well well Clark it's been fantastic to talk to you mate um, honestly uh, good to know that uh, you feel even without the competition you'd be wanting to have uh, you feel as if things uh, are coming together quite nicely that's very encouraging news uh, enjoy Wellington and uh, let's hope you get out of it what you need to uh, and the preparation continues to go smoothly thanks for your time this morning Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's uh, Clark Laidlaw, folks, uh, uh, coach of our All Black Sevens team, of course. So much expectation on them, um, but very hard for them to achieve much because uh, they can't get to the tournaments that everyone else around the world is uh, playing at for the moment, which I, I know we've touched on it before, but it's, it's a good subject to talk about. Double eight double three, phone number 0800 150 811. Uh, what about a, an MIQ facility for sporting people only? Um, you know, we're, we're seeing it now almost on a daily basis. We're talking to coaches and, and various people involved. 
uh, about you know the fact that they can't go because they can't come back and you know a lot of people aren't even leaving now because of that reason so uh, as opposed to being stuck over there uh, so let, let's uh, let's maybe get into that what, what are your feelings on that I know we're a sports bias station but I, I, I Obviously, also appreciate your your balanced views and sport is uh, it's a big part of our lives, but not necessarily a part of everyone else's. So, uh, is there scope for it? Is there a need for it? Is there a reason for it? Uh, should we have it? Um, because I, I've got this feeling that this uh, virus, whilst uh, we might be able to get on top of this one at some point, there'll be another one not far away. This is going to be ongoing. Can we do? Can we do anything uh, about it? So uh, a facility, yay or nay? 9.22 here on SENZ. Yeah, subject of the day, if you like. Uh, what about an MIQ facility? Do we need one in this country? Is enough enough? Uh, you know, some, I was talking about something like uh, 100 beds. Uh, is that impossible uh, to do? Or is there something even now that we could revamp a wee bit? Um, or am I just sort of... You know, pumping up sport to the extent where I think it's bigger than life in general. Well, I don't. I don't that you know for that one reason think that. But I, as a sporting person and knowing what sport can do to this country uh, in terms of lifting spirits, etc., is it worth an exception? Um, Jared says absolutely. We should have a purpose-built MIQ facility. We should have had one a year ago. Uh, interesting point of view there. So, um, you know, keep them coming in. 0800 150 811 is our phone number. Uh, we're going to go to the TAB a little earlier this morning uh, to get some insight on what's going on around the place in terms of your investments. Uh, around about 10.30 maybe for that. Interesting story, John. This uh, one, uh, the headline is that Djokovic is to sue the Australian government for $6 million. Um, the, the report has come out from the judges. That Immigration Minister Alex Hawke in Australia needed to be satisfied of the potential risk to the health, safety and good order of the community for him to be able to order Novak Djokovic's visa invalid and get him out of the country. Uh, They said they ruled it unanimously against it, uh, having it reinstated. The publication of that decision comes on the same day the Sun newspaper is reporting that Djokovic is talking to his legal team about suing the Australian government for more than six million bucks, and that includes uh, the total amount of Australian prize money that Djokovic could have banked had he won the Australian Open. Number one seed, won it, what, seven times? Yeah, nine, I think. Nine times. Yeah. Nine times. So what about that? I mean, did we really think Novak Djokovic was going to go away quietly, Smithy? Did we really think he was just going to go, OK, oh, fair enough, cool, uh, OK, I'll leave and that'll be the end of that? No. No, uh, he's. I think he's surrounded by people who are constantly telling him he's hard done by mm. and that people are out to get him. Oh, don't take this, Novak. You know, you would have won that tournament. You would have won that $4 million prize money. You've got to get that back because, Smithy, when's the next time he's going to get paid for winning a tournament? Yeah, exactly right. And if he, he wants to do that and he's excluded for three years, multiply it by three because he, he could almost uh, justify that uh, as the best player in the world, yeah. he was going to re- win it the next three times. So Sue for more. That prevented him from the, um, the ability to be able to do that. So it's a really interesting story, and it'll be ongoing. Whether it'll, it'll come to anything, I do not know. Anyway, it's uh, 9.30 here on SENZ. It's news time, and uh, Johnny McNeil is going to read the news for us this morning, so I uh, look forward to that. Players in it. 
Kane Williamson and Kyle Jamieson. Don't argue about either of those two players being there, but I do argue that uh, our next guest should have been in there as well. I don't know what else you have to do uh, in your first year of international cricket, particularly uh, at Test Level 2, but uh, he didn't make it. Uh, if he continues on the, the same way, uh, he'll be in many of them to come. And, of course, I'm talking about Devin Conway. The Wellington Firebirds had a, a solid eight-wicket win over Auckland yesterday to move into the all-important third position with one game to play ahead of the playoffs. Uh, and Devin Conway played yesterday, made his comeback into the competition. Devin, thanks very much for your time uh, this morning. Uh, you guys are tracking pretty well, the Firebirds. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, it was a good good, good win for us yesterday. I think um, it was quite clinical after losing the toss, um, bowling first, and you know the way the bowlers performed in the first innings and backed up by you know Captain Michael Bracewell and Tom Tom Blunder was was pretty special effort to knock off that that total and put us in a good stead for for the future in this tournament. How important is it for you, uh, the likes of yourself and Tom, to get straight back into competition? And how easy is it after making that transition back from uh, a Test series against Bangladesh? Yeah, it's it's very important for us to be back with the group. You know, we've got quite a good culture and a good unit here at Wellington um, Firebirds. So. It's good to be back. You know, the boys are really excited to, to have us back as well. So it was good to sort of be out there with them yesterday. And I think um, in terms of the transition, it's, it is it is a little bit tricky at times. But luckily, we had a few days to prep before um, that, that game against Auckland yesterday. So, um, yeah, we've made those adjustments. I didn't quite get going yesterday. But, um, you know, for Tom, it was pretty special to watch him play some of the shots that he played yesterday. So it was a good outing for the lads. Devin, uh, T20 cricket can be a bit fickle. Uh, form can come and go individually and from a team perspective, but Wellington seemed to f- have found a consistently good way to play the game. What, what is it about the unit, you feel? Yeah, I think um, as, as a team, we, we talk about taking the, the aggressive options, um, you know, with bat and ball. Um, particularly with the bat, you know, we've got guys who play with some serious intent. You've got Flynn Allen up there at the top of the order. And then you've got Michael Bracewell coming in, who's playing some really good cricket at the moment, who's leading from the front um, in terms of his intent. So, you know, if we keep doing those um, those sort of things day in, day out, um, we, we are certainly hoping that the, the performances will be more consistent and that will allow us to you know, keep keep the form as to as to what, we, what we're trying to, trying to do as a team. Devin, let's uh, look at uh, your own personal um, form and the way things have been going for you. You made this decision, you made this commitment uh, to come to New Zealand and, and to try your hand uh, over here after uh, quite a lot of time in, in South African cricket. Uh, it couldn't have worked out a hell of a lot better for you, to be fair. Uh, you, must be, you must be absolutely chuffed. Yes, yeah, certainly. I think, you know, back in 2017 when I decided to come over, um, it was a real risk, you know, not, not being in New Zealand before, not knowing what the country was all about and really just taking a limb to try and see how things go. And I think I've been very, very lucky with where things are at, at this point in such a short space of time as well, you know, in terms of looking back as to how I got my entry into the Wellington Fibre mm-hmm. set up, you know, with Tom Blundell getting called up for Black Caps duty and allowed me sort of three games, three one-day games to play for the Wellington Firebirds and, you know, that sort of allowed me to get the opportunity that I did. And then, you know, I was pretty fortunate enough to get a contract at the end of that summer. And then, um, yeah, just sort of try to put on some performances and do some do some good work for the team, try and contribute game in and game out. And, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate how everything's gone my way. 
so far. Well, Devin, I mean, it is interesting because here's the thing. A lot of guys come into international cricket at a very young age. Uh, some make it straight away. Some don't. Some have to go away and work on things. Uh, I guess you've, uh, whilst you've had the uh, the unfortunate side of things where you, you could have missed a lot of international cricket because, you know, you're, you're over 30 now, uh, I think the, the the maturity side of things has helped you in the way. Yes, certainly. You know, I think I'm pretty grateful for the fact that you know I've uh, made my my introduction into international cricket at quite a late stage. Um, I remember when I sort of first got to know and get to get to meet Kane Williamson. He, you know, said, "I think you're very fortunate that you're one of the more mature students of the game. So for you to come in, you, you'll have a good base, a good understanding of your own game and." That should hold you in good stead in the future. Um, so, yeah, I think for me personally, I, if I did play at a younger age, you know, I probably wouldn't have known my game as well as I do now. And then, you know, those pressures that come along with playing international cricket might have got to me a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's probably a blessing in disguise that I've managed to play at a later stage. A lot of that comes down to confidence. Uh, a lot of that also, I would imagine, uh, comes down to feeling like you belong out there. You belong in the middle. Um, some players don't adapt to that very, very quickly. Uh, I look at your numbers. You're averaging over 50 uh, in all four, three, uh, three formats of the game. No one else does that. It's, it's quite incredible. Uh, to a lot of people from the outside, you've made international cricket look very easy. Has it been that way? No, certainly not. You know, it's, it's, it is a step up. Um, you know, I think my numbers are a little bit skewed with the fact that I've only played a handful of games. So they'll probably balance out over in the future. You know, there will be a time where I might not get going. And, um, you know, it might not even those, those numbers out a little bit. But I think um, it's just about really just trying to trust your game and and, and trust your ability and, and everything that you've done in the past that, that if it's been good enough for you in the past it'll be good enough for you in, in, in the international arena so you know I've just got to keep improving you know having that growth mindset is very important for me and um, yeah just keep learning off other guys that we have in our team you know we've been fortunate enough to have you know Kane Williamson, Tom Latham, mm-hmm. you know Ross Taylor and, and some other guys as well to sort of lean on and, and just ask them questions how they go about things and you know, that sort of helps you try and work out a plan in the game to sort of suit different opposition and surfaces that you come across. So we've got a really good culture for that. Speaking of surfaces, uh, you came from the Mount to Hagley Oval and it looked a hell of a green. I mean, I saw pictures of it be on the day before in the morning of. You lost the toss. Um, you know, they got the boys got a reasonable start. You came in. I mean, could you believe what unfolded on that first day, looking at what you were batting on? Yeah, certainly. I think, as you say, it was green. Visually, it was intimidating. Um, you know, it was pretty obvious that both captains wanted a bowl. But in saying that, you know, the sort of mindset that we tried to adopt was, you know, we, we were batting, we got asked to bat, and the pressure's on them now. You know, they've got to make full use of the surface. Um, it almost came to a point where it was like, well, you know, it, 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 the odds are probably against us, so we might as well just go out and just play with freedom and express ourselves. And adjust accordingly and I think ultimately the wicket actually played a little bit better than what it looked like as well so it might have been a bit of illusion at times but um yeah it was it was really good to just to see Tommy Latham as captain lead from the front in that first day and that that partnership that he built with Will Young um really set the platform for for the rest of us batters coming in to try and 
bat alongside Tom and build those partnerships and set up a good total. Devin, your next uh, international challenge is one I imagine uh, when you were growing up in South Africa, you never, ever, ever thought about or contemplated, and that would be to play against South Africa. So uh, that is coming up. Uh, that will be tough. Um, I, I'm not sure how chippy it'll be out in the middle. I would imagine there'll be something going on there, but this is going to be a, a really interesting challenge for you. Yeah, definitely. I think um, a, a very big challenge coming ahead. You know, I had a, a quiet word with Neil Wagner in the, in the in the change room of the last test in Christchurch, and sort of asked him what's it like playing against, you know, South Africa. And um, he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's just another team, it's just another game. Um, that's the way to look at it. You know, um, he said that he did receive a bit of chip when he first played against them, but I think um, though that was because they were probably playing against. Um, you know, really strong setup. You know, with guys like Graham Smith, um, Jacques Cullis, Dale Stain, those guys who really came hard. And I think I I do know quite a lot of the players in the South African setup. So it will be very interesting to see if I do receive a bit of chirp out in the middle. But if that if that does happen, you know, I've just got to remain focused, disciplined in in, in my game, and um, yeah, just react accordingly. So I'm very excited for it. I'm looking forward to the challenges that lie ahead. So much of your life, uh, your memories of life, of course, are in South Africa. How emotional How emotional do you think it'll be? I think it's at the Basin, uh, so it's your, your new adopted home. Uh, and then, then of course, you've got um, the national anthems and things like that and thoughts going into it. Uh, apart from the fact that you're, you're led to believe it's just another team, I, I don't imagine it can be really. So what, what, what are you expecting emotionally? Yeah, I think it will be quite emotional. I think, you know, um, as you said, when growing up as a young kid, never ever thought for one second I'd ever play against South Africa. Um, but, you know, I think I've just been very fortunate that, you know, New Zealand have taken me with both arms um, and welcomed me and given me the opportunities to play and, 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 and achieve my dreams as a young child to play international cricket. So for me, you know, um, I'll do my utmost best to, to perform as best as I can for, for New Zealand and the Black Caps, um, regardless of who I'm playing against. So, um, yeah, I, I pretty much owe that to New Zealand for giving me that opportunity and um, certainly be looking very forward and, and excited to play against South Africa. You look like your game's pretty well in order. It looks like, you know, you, you, you work very hard and you, you do a lot of individual stuff uh, about your game, but do you work with anyone in particular? I mean, what is... Um uh, do you lean on anyone? Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's funny how you say it looks like my game's in all in order. Um, you know, just walking away from yesterday's game and, you know, certainly didn't quite feel all that well in the middle. Um, so there was a nice opportunity to, to look at the five balls that I faced in the middle yesterday and identify one or two things that I actually want to work on over the next um, couple of weeks to try and get that rhythm and that uh, clarity again. But um, in terms of who I work with, I, I sort of work pretty close with um, Luke Gronke, our mm. Black Caps batting coach. He's based in Wellington, so um, he's, he's hands-on and allows us um, to train with him. And then, you know, I do lean on uh, Glenn Pocknell and Doug, Doug Watson, who, who are coaches and the support staff at the Firebirds, um, who do know my game fairly well over the past. So um, I, I can work with them. And then also... Um, I do bat alongside Tommy Blundell and Rachel Ravindra quite often um, in the nets and throw to each other. So they, they've got a fairly good understanding as to um, how my game works and what, what gets me into strong positions and gets me moving as a player. And, um, yeah, they sort of keep an eye on those things that we can communicate on. So, yeah. Just finally, Devin, please assure us, please assure us you've worked out a new way 
of uh, showing your frustrations if things don't go out well in the middle. Please, t- please tell us you've got a new method. Um, yeah, well, the new method is certainly don't hit your bat. Um, <laughs> I learned that lesson within 10 seconds of doing it in that semi-final, so I won't be doing that again. But, um, yeah, I think it's just the, the learning from that was just to try and control your emotions in the heat of battle. And, um, yeah, that, that, that is a learning that I, that I certainly learned very quickly, and I, and I won't be showing any of that frustration again. <laughs> hey, Devin, uh, on a serious note, you've been amazing. It's been fantastic to watch you. I'm so happy that uh, you've chosen New Zealand. Uh, we all are. Yeah, it's been great. Long may it continue, and thanks for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, cheers. Devin Conway there, and man, what a start to a test career. Uh, you know, and he's fit, young man. Uh, whilst he's uh, not young by international standards, uh, the way he uh, plays, um, it's just a question of how many he's going to make. 69.22 in tests, 75 in uh, one-day internationals, and 50.16 in T20s. They are his averages. That is staggering. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. It is 9.50 here on SENZ, a number of texts coming in on this uh, MIQ facility, we'll get to those shortly, but uh, in the meantime we've got to get across to uh, Brendan Popwell from the TAB, a slightly earlier time today, and one of the reasons why I imagine they're absolutely frantic down there uh, in Wellington, BP, uh, good morning to you, uh, Karaka tomorrow, uh, it's only a six race uh, card, it starts uh, late in the afternoon and finishes uh, just before 8 o'clock in the evening with million dollar races which uh, always I imagine attracts a lot of betting It certainly does Smithy uh, a very good morning to you and an exciting time uh, in the New Zealand racing calendar and normally it rolls into of course the national yearling sales uh, which won't be the case this year and that'll be, uh, has been pushed out to March but still such a, a great evening that is uh, Crack a million night, and I think we're going to see some special racing there uh, coming. Of course, we've got Boys Get Paid are on track. They're up to $350,000 in their punters club now. Of course, they're searching for $500,000, and the TAB will give them a $50,000 bonus bet. So that is gathering momentum every time that we uh, get a notification on uh, where that pool is sitting. So they're getting very close to their magical mark. And yes, bets are rolling in, and... Uh, especially around the Richards-Bossons combination. That, that, that has been a very well-played combo, not just in both the two feature races, but throughout the evening as well on other horses, the likes of Sword of State and Amarillina as well. So that's going to be popular throughout the night. But uh, I can't wait for the evening, uh, to be honest with you, Smithy. A lot of interest uh, in uh, the two-year-old uh, race, of course. Uh, it was uh, the scratching of Grace and Grey, uh, and then the barrier drawer, of course, uh, revealed that uh, you know uh, Wolverine was out a little wider than a lot of people wanted it to be as favourite backers. But how has that reacted? Look, what we've seen since then is money both ways. Wolverine still has her supporters. We've seen two $2,000 bets at $4.20. And we've also seen money for the Boston Richards runner, and that is Dynastic, who's only just had the one race day start. He has blinkers on. He has good barrier draw. We've seen 4000 on that runner at $3.50. So they have been the two clear best back runners in the two-year-old race. But boy, you wouldn't be discounting horses like Fellini, for instance, who uh, also beat Time Flies. It was a dollar forty when he went round. Now he's got into the race. Time Flies off the ballot, uh, but he has been look a, a shade disappointing with how he's been defeated on both occasions when there was high expectation of him winning. But he is a dangerous result in the futures market. He has been very well backed by punters at the eight, six, five dollar mark in the futures. He's at eleven dollars to take out the race, getting off the ballot. Matt Karen aboard. 
on deck tomorrow, are you, BP? Certainly will be, Smithy, yep. And uh, hopefully, maybe for your boy and uh, with On The Bubbles, I went to Hawks Bay last week. I just bumped into everybody that seems to have a share or association with On The Bubbles. Um, so let's hope that uh, the horse can do the business once again and, and go back to back. Yeah, it would be a great story, but uh, we all know racing. We'll just have to wait and see. Hey, BP, look forward to catching up with you tomorrow. Thanks for your time this morning. Sounds good. Yes, Smithy. Yeah, 9.53 here uh, on SCNZ. Yeah, a mouth-watering day at Ellerslie tomorrow. Uh, and uh, hopefully if you've got uh, the ability to get on course, uh, you can en- enjoy it. It's uh, really fascinating. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll take uh, a short break uh, and uh, then we'll come back with a multi, I think, just before 10 o'clock. Hey, Rico- if it's happening in New Zealand sport, you'll hear about it on SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. There's a new team in town. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the holder. Know when the folder. Smithy's multi. Know when the walk away. No we are live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. We're two and two. Actually, I beat the jingle there for a second. So uh, we're two and two this week. That's great. Uh, you could do that every week. Uh, win two out of uh, four, you'd make money. Uh, we're going to stick with the tennis theme for this one. Uh, we're going to go Azarenka to beat Svitolina at a dollar thirty women's. Osaka to beat Anna Nasova uh, at a dollar thirty-three women's Australian Open. Opelka to beat Shapovalov at a dollar eighty-three. Uh, that's in the men's side of the draw. And on uh, Sunday afternoon, there's uh, a playoff match in NFL. Green Bay Packers to beat the 49ers at $1.39. That multi's out at $4.39. It is 10 o'clock. Here is John McNeil with the news. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is 10.03 here on SENZ. Uh, and the morning's heading towards uh, midday. A uh, big weekend of uh, sport, of course, uh, around uh, the country, around the world, a lot of racing as well. But in particular, uh, of interest to us, of course, is what's going on across the Tasman in terms of football. Uh, and uh, we've got Ricardo Ball in here, uh, the host of Extra Time on SENZ, of course, and uh, a noted football fan, a rocker. A rocker. He owns uh, more black T-shirts than I've had DB Exports, and that's going to, that is saying something. I've got to say, Ricardo, nice to see you in person. It's been a long time. It has been, Smithy. I think the last time I saw you uh, in person was the, the station launch that we had down the waterfront. That's uh, way back, uh, I think June, almost June last year. Yeah, so. it's been a while. Yeah, mate. Uh, I tell you right here and now, I've been following the the Phoenix men and and, and women side of things because, of course, so exciting with uh, with the women uh, being in the competition this time around. It hasn't been easy. I, I, I thought we knew it wouldn't be. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, it's a team that wasn't didn't exist um, three months out from the start of the competition. And so all the other clubs already had rosters. They already had programs. They were already doing pre-season almost, you know. They, 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 uh, so, you know, Gemma Lewis and, and the team at the Knicks were, were starting a long way behind the eight ball. And, I mean, the average age of the squad is 19, mm. you know, so it's a lot of kids. Um, it's interesting. I had a chat with Paul Eiffel a couple of weeks ago, and I asked him the question about the team. I said, are you happy with where they are? Uh, you know, Are they where they should be? And he said, I think they're ahead of where they should be, to be mm. honest. He said, sure, the results aren't coming at the moment, but the way they're playing and the signs on the field are positive. So they're, they're being competitive, they're giving teams uh, problems, and even against the top teams, they are 
you know, said there's individual errors and little lapses. He said, but in general, they're, they're playing some really good football. And the interesting thing for me about this is, this, is the social side of it. I mean, we all thought, uh, and they probably did thought, this is going to be exciting, mm. you know. Um, here we are, this young group of uh, girls have been hauled together very quickly. Uh, we're going to spend the next uh, four, five, six months of our life possibly outside of home, away from home. That, that goes well when you're going well and everything's operating well. Uh, I just wonder, it's been tough. I mean, uh, they started in the law, and everyone thought, this is going to be better than we thought. Yeah. Uh, last week they blew a, what, a 2-0 lead. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just wonder how hard it's been for these young kids. Yeah, well, I don't think it'll be easy at all. Uh, and I, But I think the fact that Gemma Lewis and Natalie, uh, who, who run the coaching group, have worked with a lot of them in the Future Ferns Development Program under New Zealand football mm. has probably helped. And Gemma Lewis is very much a put an arm around a player type coach rather than give them a spray type coach. Mm. And given you've got so many young people away from home, probably a lot of them for the first time, for a, for any length of time in a professional environment for the first time for a lot of them as well, that's probably what they need. They need more assurance and hand-holding than they need, you know, the Fergie hairdryer type treatment. Mm. Well, I've only scored three goals, I think, so far. Uh, and that must irk them when they, they look across at their compatriot, uh, Hannah Wilkinson, who oh. scored, what, nine or ten yeah. in, in, in a uh, very short space of time. So frustrating that we can't have it. So they have to address that. Yeah, they do. Uh, I, I remember uh, having that this conversation actually about the, the striking um, position and talking about Grace Jarley because she's seen very much as a player who could be a Hannah Wilkinson but mm. needs time, uh, needs experience, probably needs to improve her movement. Um, so it, it's just awareness, things like that, and it, and it, obviously it's experience because Jale, at how old is she? Twenty, mm, mm. you know, doesn't have the experience that Hannah Wilkinson's had, who's played in the professional leagues in Sweden and Germany uh, and the US before. So I think it'll come. I mean, it would be great to next year be able to sign Hannah Wilkinson and maybe you know Rebecca Stott and one or two others and have a a spine of more experienced ferns. Um, but I think. Outside of that, then what they're doing and the players they've got uh, is probably where we were at. I think we're going to be patient and we'll continue to all. Uh, they're, they're there for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, and we should be too. Uh, the men have been there for a while. Um, but man, no, no one expected uh, that they'd have 19 players that would have had COVID over a period of time. Uh, when the coaches got a training and over five can turn up, really weird. But tonight they've got Western United. What are we expecting here? It's going to be interesting, but given how long it's been since the Phoenix have played. Really, I think we saw signs in the last couple of games that things were tracking the right way. Mm. I, think, I, I definitely think they were going the right way, um, and I think it's been interesting to see someone like Lucas, uh, sorry, Nicholas Pennington, who's come in, uh, started to get a few a bit more of an opportunity. And I think it's really important that those uh, that guys like uh, Rufa and um, Clayton Lewis have a bit of pressure on them. Um, and that there's someone there knocking on the door because I think they may have been a bit guilty, well, particularly Alex Rufo, of thinking, well, I'm the captain of the team. Mm. I'm not going to get dropped, and maybe his performances have dropped off a wee bit. Right. Okay. Interesting. That Sandoval comes in. Yes, yeah, Sandoval, Sandoval will be available. And that's, the other thing that the Phoenix have struggled with this season is after they lost to Villa, you know, last season it was David Ball could create, the Villa was the main creator, Piscopo could create if the Villa was off or mm. m- tightly marked. This season, it's really just all been on Piscopo, and he's just been getting lumps kicked out. And if you shut down Piscopo, you shut down the Phoenix going forward. Well, Sandoval will give them more balance. Sandoval can play on the left. You'll probably see that means Piscopo will play more on the right. And then uh, you can also have David Ball playing a bit centrally, and that should give the Phoenix more options, more avenues to create, 
and makes them harder to contain. They, they had Hooper for you know, and he he was a threat. Then he, he had to go home, didn't he? I, I haven't heard. Um, Perhaps should know, but I haven't heard what's happened as a result of that. Yeah, well, he was supposed to be back on December the 27th, but I don't think he's back yet. No. I, haven't, I haven't seen – it's gone very quiet, to be honest. Um, I, if uh, When you said that, I was like, actually, that's a really good point because we, we haven't seen sight nor sound of him. So, mm. yeah, I mean, and Hooper is super important in mm. terms of, you know, just an out-and-out goal scorer. I mean, I think uh, Arsene Wenger dubbed that position the fox in the box, the guy that can just turn up and, and you know, nudge a ball in from six yards somewhere and he is that, that type of player and we don't have that type of player at the moment. I'll add that to the loss of, uh, of Taylor, of course, of uh, De Villa. Uh, w- what should we be expecting? Uh, they've lost now, what, four in a row. So mm. uh, bearing in mind the build-up to this game, which has been non-existent, uh, what are we expecting? And long-term now, what can we hope for the season? I think there's the... I th- it depends if they can bring in another player. They, there is talk about another player potentially coming in. They, they of course, uh, brought in uh, Wooten as well. Scott Wooten, the centre-back, who played at United, played mm. at Leeds. Um, so he should shore things up at the back and give them other options. I mean, it means if he can play centrally, you can play Tim Payne either as a holding midfielder, which is where he used to play, or you can play him as a fullback, which is a job he's done for the Phoenix in the past. Mm. So those are options. It gives Ufuk more options and probably gives us a bit more solidity at the back. So if they can get that partnership established there and give us more solidity there, I think there's no reason why the Knicks can't push on and, and still make the playoffs this season. Okay, let's hope for that, uh, Ricardo. I certainly do, and I'm uh, watching them uh, every time they play. I'm looking forward to tonight, actually. Uh, uh, Interesting, uh, as we speak, there's an English Football League Cup game going on. Uh, We're into about the 68th minute, Liverpool leading 1-0 against Arsenal, who uh, are at home here. So uh, that's uh, of interest to us, as is a lot of football, of course, uh, in England uh, yesterday interesting games Tottenham my Tottenham uh, hell of a comeback in extra yeah, time what was, was that about? Oh, that was crazy um, Stephen Bergwine, the Dutch winger that came on talk about an injury time specialist he got booked and then he scored two uh, you staggering. know, just absolutely staggering. And you know, Leicester, well, you could see at the end, Leicester were absolutely gutted because mm. uh, they'd led that match and probably deservedly so on the balance of play for most of it. So, yeah, great result. Uh, interesting uh, that you've got that performance out of Bergvine because he was a player that two weeks ago Conte was talking about shifting on. Mm. So there was interest in Ajax and things yeah. like that. So, has Conte done that to give this guy a rocket? And this is now the result, or was he actually looking at moving him on? It's uh, an interesting thing. I don't think they'll, he'll be leaving this this window now, though. I would imagine after that performance, he'll no, stay. Absolutely, you find something and you keep it. Man, you uh, good yesterday against Brentford, three-one, convincing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first half wasn't great. Brentford probably had the better chances in the first half, but in the second half, you saw what Ralph Rangnick has been trying to do with United. He's been tra- he's been uh, switching between some formations. When he first got there, he wanted to play. A four-two-two-two, which is unusual and quite narrow. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, he's obviously realised now that that's probably not the best use of the players he's got. So he's reverted to a four-three-three, and that's given Fred a little bit more license to go forward. Right. McTominay's playing the six, just anchoring the midfield. And um, you know, I think Fred now. Uh, has had three assists in three games, his last three games for United, and is starting to turn into something like a secondary playmaker uh, alongside Fernandes. Enlighten me uh, on the subject of Man United, which is, uh, of course, Ronaldo. This chant at the Australian Tennis Open, you, mm. have you been hearing about this? The CU or, CU, yeah. yeah. Tell us a wee bit about more that. 
Well, it's it's just something that Cristiano Ronaldo does when he when he scores a goal when he celebrates. Right. So he does. He's got the famous celebration where he runs to the corner with his arms outstretched, puffs the chest out, and he goes "shoo" as he as he does it, and that's where it's come from. And yeah. the fans picked up on it. The football fans picked up on it. They do it back to him when he celebrates a goal, and it's obviously just gone on from there. So how does it how does it apply to these tennis players as such? I have no idea. Really? No. It's got me baffled. Yeah, I, mean, I, I obviously had them baffled because they thought they were being booed. Yeah, well, I think the fans are doing it because they they see it as like some sort of new modern chant. Like, you remember uh, the Canberra Raiders fans all started right. doing the Viking clap after Iceland had the great Euros. I think it's just something that's gone viral. It's become part of, you know, part of pop culture, if you like, and they've just tried to adopt it in there. But, yeah, I think, was it Andy Murray was kind mm-hmm. of scratching his head about it? It was a bit confused. But they've copped it. Yeah. And they were thinking, what have I done wrong here? You know? It's it's a celebration of a good shot, basically, yeah. I think is how the fans are, uh, are using it in tennis. Okay. But if you're a player, I mean, I watch it on the TV because some, uh, somebody told me about it, and I was like, and I went and watched some, and I was like, oh. It does sound like they're booing, yeah. and then it came out later. No, this is what they're doing. But well, I can tell you, the boss is walking around this morning with a Newcastle shirt on. Ooh. It's not a good look. If anyone needs to be booed, it's him. Uh, I think absolutely <laughs> right. So he he's walking around as such. Yeah, um, very proudly displaying it, of course, now because uh, we're Newcastle fans. Apparently, oh. Chris Woods there. Yeah, but, uh, I read the report, particularly from Paul Merson. Mm. Uh, Paul Merson after his first game, not at all complimentary. No, he wasn't, and I, I. Merce is was a great player, mm. and he makes some good valid points. But it's the guy's first game. I, don't, I think he had one training session with the team, um, and he put himself in the right positions. He had a couple of opportunities, so maybe if uh, maybe you give him a, a couple more games before mm. you say this is a, a rubbish signing. I, I still think he's got three goals for the season so far. I still think he'll end up somewhere between twelve and fifteen goals. Newcastle are a far more attacking side than Burnley. Kieran Trippier. The English right back they've signed from Atletico Madrid, mm. set piece specialist, and roves up and down that right wing. I mean, that is made. That's a partnership made uh, to score goals. Trippier's right foot, Chris Wood's head, I think, uh, is is going to be important for Newcastle. If they can do that, will they survive? I think they probably will. Yeah, uh, as un- unfortunately, I'd love to see them go down. Uh, but really? Yeah, but I but I think I think they probably will have enough and. Uh, they, the window's not closed yet. And you've got to think that Burnley, they've taken Burnley's biggest weapon away. Mm. Uh, Norwich are, are rubbish. I know yeah. they beat Everton the other day, but they're, they're, they're pretty average. Uh, and Watford are down there as well, and Everton are getting dragged into it. I think Newcastle are probably better than uh, three of those teams and will probably survive. This weekend, uh, we're looking in the Premier League. Uh, Manu, West Ham, Chelsea, Tottenham, big games? Big games, yeah. Big game, especially a big game. Well, I mean, they're big games for all the teams, but I think especially a big game for Chelsea this weekend because, you know, they've lost that game to Man City. Then they've gone and drawn at Brighton midweek, and that, I, th- I think it means they've only won five of their last 13, I think, mm. Chelsea. They've really started to fall away, uh, and Tuchel's becoming more and more aggravated with the situation. And I don't, I've, I'm starting to think, because he tinkers so much, he's now lost... What's my best team? Mm. Uh, and the Lukaku situation hasn't helped. You know, Lukaku, when he came into this team at the beginning of the season, they weren't playing great, but he was scoring goals. Then he got injured, and they had to play without him. And Tuchel almost had them playing a bit like City do without a striker. You know, mm. they, they had Havertz, who's attacking midfielder, playing in the nine role, and they actually looked better. 
without Lukaku, and that's when they started stringing performances together. And now I think Lukaku may have disrupted things again. He's back, and I think Tuchel is second-guessing himself. So I think, uh, yeah, Chelsea could be looking over their shoulders at West Ham, United, uh, Tottenham, Arsenal, mm. as uh, as are we going to keep our place in the top four? Still 1-0 as we speak. Uh, in the uh, 74th minute, 1-0 to Liverpool over Arsenal. Uh, which brings me to Liverpool. Uh, are we toast? Is it done? Oh, yeah, I think so. In the Premier League, you mean? Mm. Yeah, I think it's City's title. I think Liverpool needed City to drop points at Chelsea, and it didn't happen. I think I think I just think City are too far ahead now. Uh, Liverpool have got a couple of games back to back, and they're missing Salah, they're missing Mane, they're missing Cater. I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool drop points between now and the end of the African Nations Cup as well that just gives City even more of a lead and then City will be able to just concentrate on Champions League because that's where they want to be. Ricardo, it's always a pleasure um, because when you talk to someone, uh, the first thing you want to do is be better informed and you never, ever let me down on that. So thank you very much for your time. I look forward to your work. You continue to work on the station as well in the new year. Thank you, mate. Cheers, Smithy. Cheers. All the best. Ricardo Ball there. Um, uh, What he doesn't know about football, um, I don't know about DB Export. Uh, It's 10.18. It's 10.18. Um, we're going to have a panel next. This morning, uh, we're going to go south to Jordan Oppert, and we're going to stay with James Regan as well. Now, James has got English heritage. He must be thrilled with the ashes. We'll catch up with him about that shortly. You're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. And it's a big good morning on the panel to uh, James Regan uh, and Jordan Oppert. Happy to New Year to both of you. It's the first time I've spoken to you since 2022 kicked in. Jordan, uh, I shall start with you. Uh, and you're pretty excited about the Black Clash. I mean, really? I can't be. Oh, don't give me that. You love it. Are you just upset you haven't been called in for place with it? Uh, look, for a start... Um, I'm actually so badly out of shape I still think I could excel in that le- at that level <laughs> so there's one thing and I know for a, a number of things about this, this it's for charity uh, so I guess they're all giving their personal match fees back to the charity you'd know about that Jordan uh, and you know uh, and there won't be any socialising involved at all will there? <laughs> this is the greatest Tui billboard ad you could ever ask for, really, because it's the complete opposite. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, right? It's all back to the Players Association and the respective ones, and so players can really get in behind that because it is what you know has helped them throughout their careers. But, yeah, it was actually quite funny. I was filming with Jacob Borum yesterday, and he said it blows his mind that more people are willing to come and watch him or the team now that they're retired than at the time when they were playing professionally. But... No, it's a bit of fun, really, and it's a sellout here in Tauranga. I arrived yesterday for the game tomorrow. Weather's looking great. Um, and, yeah, got a couple of newbies in there as well. Big Tommy Walsh is padding up for team cricket. Uh, there's obviously Shane Bond in there this year. Harry Plummer's having a go back to cricket. He was a gun cricketer back um, before he chose to play rugby, actually. So, yeah, it should be a good day. Is McCullum and Dag playing? Uh, Dag's in- injured, apparently, um, but... Yep, Brendan's there. Brendan's there. Could have had the whole Sims team there. I, I don't believe McCullum would be there uh, when there's million-dollar racing going on at Ellerslie. I mean, that just sort of sums the whole deal up for me. James, you're a Bay of Plenty man. You won't be going, will you? No, I won't. I kind of wish I was because it's at, uh, of course, the wonderful Bay Oval. But 
Yeah, it will be good. It will be good. Um, I'm kind of with you, Smithy. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on it. It is great that it is for charity and there are, there are obviously some big names, but yeah, you can ask for a better setting really than, than Bay Oval this time round. And the good thing for you, James, is that England won't be playing, um, and so you, you don't have to feel <laughs> up, you don't have to feel upset about it. Are you over it yet? Yeah, it's funny. I I thought that might have might have uh, gone out of the minds uh, when it came to the panel, but just before we came on, your producer warned me that uh, it definitely hasn't. So. Yeah, it still hurts. It still hurts for a number of reasons, mainly because it was particularly embarrassing, uh, you know, losing, what was it, 10 wickets for 50 runs or whatever on that, on that last day. It was just an absolute shambles. So, yeah, not over it. So thanks for bringing that up again. No problem at all. Um, I can do it as often as you like. Uh, look, here's, here's an interesting thing, uh, Jordan, uh, as well. Um, we've, had, we've gone through... Uh, well, 10 days, I suppose, of the Djokovic saga. Obviously, he's gone home now. Uh, news coming through on the line this morning that he could possibly, could possibly be suing uh, Australian government uh, for six million bucks. What do you make of that? Oh, gosh. I mean, the whole thing has just been ridiculous. Like, how he even got to Australia in the first place and how this all managed to unfold still blows my mind. Like, how he got on a plane and got to Australia and the botch up that it's been. I think it's embarrassing for both parties. Embarrassing for him and terrible on his behalf. But behalf, but the way the Aussies have dealt with it, and I guess it's just the way their politics rolls, um, I mean, it's not surpri- I'm, not all- I'm not overly surprised he wants to sue them. Well, this this incorporates, uh, of course, possible money that he, he could have made, uh, James, as well. And the interesting thing about this is I've heard of this happening before when people are shut out of things and, and uh, they've, been able, they've been able to sue on, on the possibility of possible income or probable income. I mean, he's the number one tennis player in the world. Uh, and therefore, that if they extend the visa or the cancellation of the visa for the three years, which they can do, uh, he could triple that prize money so uh, I guess if this gets any teeth at all it could be quite an expensive suit and it could go on for a while Yeah and that's probably, I mean it was always going to happen really wasn't it it was never going to be the end of it after he got finally deported I guess it's great for, for the Open in one way because the tournament now is wide open and we've already seen some, some cracking games but yeah I'd I don't know, he's suing for, or potentially suing for, is it ill-treatment? And I think if you ask a lot of other people who've been detained or, or held up in Australia, they would say he was probably treated not that bad. But, yeah, look, he, he probably would have gone on to win it and, and therefore earned quite a bit of money. But, yeah, I, I don't know. No one, I agree with Jordan, no one wins out of this and everyone looks particularly particularly bad. But, yeah, the, the tennis itself has has been pretty good so far, you have to say, regardless of what happened before the tournament. So, so in, in essence, James, you're not missing him in terms of the quality of the tennis? Nah, not, not really. Uh, as I said, the, the matches we've seen so far have been, have been pretty damn good, and you can't really pick a nail-on uh, favourite at the moment because the, the quality is, is so high and, and there's bound to be a couple more upsets in there as well. So not seeing Djokovic... Storm to the title. I'm not. I'm not too fussed about this time around. Okay, we're going to go to the news. If you if you uh, would stay with us, Jordan and James would be very grateful for that. Uh, it's coming up to ten thirty here on SENZ. Uh, after it, we'll uh, talk about stay on the tennis theme. Uh, might talk a wee bit about uh, Kyrgios now that he's out. Andy Murray's out. 
uh, who's going to win. And uh, there's a bit of personality gone from the tournament there in one night. So uh, that to, to talk about, and the Winter Olympics and a couple of other things. So uh, stay with us as the panel will. Uh, it's time for the news with John McNeil. Big opinions, the panel. James Regan and Jordan Offit with us this morning on the panel. Uh, Jordan Offit, Nick Curious is uh, out, courtesy of uh, Daniel Nebedev last night. So, h- how are we looking there? Are you a Curious fan? And, and um, I mean, tennis needs him to a certain point. Oh, 100%. I'm a big Curious um, fan. I just think he's, he's so electric and he's kind of a full package. But not only is he good, I mean, yes, he's out now, but he is the entertainment, you know, he's. Yeah, he's good, he's entertaining. The way he draws in the crowd, like they were on their feet roaring with him and he put on a real show and he's clever, you know, he's quirky and he's clever. And so I think he is what tennis needs to drag them in. I'm gutted that he's actually out now. But I mean, I, if I'm honest with you, I haven't been watching too much of the Open. I'm kind of prepping for the games and obviously the Black Clash, you know, two of the biggest events coming up and you'll come into Smithy. Um, so I haven't actually been paying too much attention. But yeah, I'm so gutted that he's out of the comp now. I'm probably backing either... Medvedev or uh, maybe Nadal, I don't know. Just can I, okay, just, just, just get back to the Black Clash for a second. Are you there in terms of work or are you there as a straight out fan of old people? Straight out fan of old people? They're not that old, come on. Um, I'm going to tell them that. Uh, no, I'm here working, working for TVNZ. You are working, okay, well, at least we'll clarify that. Yeah. So all your expenses are being paid and uh, of course that'll be on us, that... <laughs> Don't be silly. I I am working hard though. I can assure you. I was up the mount at four thirty a.m. this morning. Asked Tom. I replied to your producer. I replied to him straight after I got down. So I've been putting in the hard yards. I tell you. Uh, okay. Since you're up the mount, we might as well ask you about the Winter Olympics. Then um, that's coming up. It's uh, less than two weeks away, Jordan. And what intrigues me? Uh, they've added to the team this morning, and uh, they've uh, uh, they've added to uh, the team with a nineteen-year-old. I can't quite believe uh, the age of some of these kids that are going to represent us in this. This is this is an amazing team, uh, amazing thing. I've, I must confess, in the past, it hasn't been uh, something that I've really watched that closely. I'm going to this time around. I'm fascinated. Yeah, honestly, I think we've got a real good chance this year. And I know, I mean, put it this way: Nico and Zoe went to Pyeongchang four years ago as underdogs, and now they're the ones to beat. You talk about Campbell Wright, who's been named by athlete this morning at 19. Well, he's one of the oldest out of this group actually going over. The youngest one is 16, I think. And, I mean, they're a real talented bunch. I mean, you've got Alice Robinson. She's the alpine skier in fine form. Could be in three disciplines after the winter that she's just had. You've got a speed skater, Peter Michael, who's promised there'll be fireworks. You've got two fourth places in Pyeongchang. And I don't want to know what that would feel like, but he said that it was awful, so he's back. Um, and then you've got yeah eight newbies yesterday that were announced as well from the Park and Pipes program here, and it just yeah it blows your mind how young these athletes are and how good they are. Like there are so many talented Kiwi snow sport athletes out there, and I think we'll see some other underdogs like we saw with Nico and Zoe who will just make their way into it. So yeah, I mean we depart next week. I think it's next Friday, so it's all come around very quickly, and I think. Having talked to these athletes a lot over the last few weeks because their, their season's in full swing, for a lot of them, because of COVID and everything going on, you never think it's real until you're actually on that plane. And now they've got their tickets, they've been announced, and they're just about ready to get on that plane. And so I think it's all kind of sinking in for everyone. So, 
yeah, I think we could get that, that gold medal too. I'm, not, I'm banking on it. I'm looking forward to it, James. I, I hope you are as well. Um, uh, one of the reasons it's, it's on, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite new with all these new young faces in it. But uh, as as well, it, you know, it always brings up some great stories. And we talked earlier this morning in jest a little bit about old Eddie the Eagle, etc., uh, and uh, the Jamaican bobsled team, etc. But it's not an event that we should pass over. No, nah, definitely not. And it's one of those things we maybe in the past take for granted, and we kind of get behind it when it comes up, but. I think since we've had so many events cancelled because of COVID, we should really cherish this one, especially as Jordan Tushman. We've got so many great athletes, and it's a real credit, I think, as well to the snow sports program we've got down in, in Wanaka and Queenstown down there that these guys are, are nailed on. Well, they're definitely favourites, Nico and Zoe, but you know, there's so many good stories as well to come out of it. Tian Collins is going after he missed out uh, Pyeongchang Jordan, and uh, as well to you, James, thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, Jordan, we realise that you're uh, a very, but you must be off to practice. They'll be practising net practice or something this morning, will they? Yeah, 11 a.m. I think you've got Baz in the net, so I'll let you know how we go and a few others. Please, uh, please don't. Rehearsals this afternoon. <laughs> uh, oh, rehearsals this afternoon, okay. Um, yeah, okay. I, I look forward to that. James, uh, I'm pleased. Look up the coin toss. <laughs> the coin toss. I hope you're doing that. <laughs> uh, James, uh, on a um, more serious note, um, for you, I actually never gave you a perspective on Kyrgios, so I'd like to hear um, Kyrgios from your point of view. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. He's got, he's got everything. He's got obviously the raw talent and, and the personality, and as well in his press conferences alone, he's just box office. And so many times we we go into a presser with a, a sports buyer who's just given, I guess, um, blanket answers from a media manager, and they just reel them off. But Kyrgios doesn't really care. He just says what he wants, and it's great. And I hope one day he'll go on and win a Grand Slam. I think that would prove a lot of people wrong because he does clearly have the ability, but. Regardless, he's he's great to watch any time. Who, who's James on that subject? Uh, who, who's the probably the guy of or lady who who you've enjoyed most at a press conference? What, what's been your your individual highlight there? At a presser, yeah. I, I don't think in New Zealand you can probably look past Israel Adesanya. I've done a couple with him, and he's always as, as the same as Kyrgios, a bit unpredictable. So I'd go Adesanya for that one. Jordan. Oh, that's a really tough question. I was hoping you were just going to say, all right, thanks, everyone. Um, prob- I've not been in one with Israel Adesanya, but I'd say his, uh, yeah, his are right up there. I'm like, another Okay. Probably actually that speed skater, Peter Michael. Have you ever had a chat to him? No, I haven't, well, but we will. Uh, throughout the course of the next two or three oh, weeks, we get will. Get on the show. Yeah. He is gold. He is brilliant. He's got lo- a long mullet. Um... Yeah, he is brilliant. He's brilliant talent. You just never quite know what his answer is going to be, and I think he doesn't realise 
He's as funny as he is. So definitely get him on the show. He's a good one as well. Will do. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, and this time I am saying thanks and goodbye. Uh, and have a great time in the Bay of Plenty. And James, thank you very much for your input this morning. They were uh, the panellists, James Regan, Jordan Oppert. Uh, we'll be back uh, very shortly with some texts. I, I asked for texts, and man, have you sent them in? Men, ladies, you've sent them in, and I'm going to read them out because a lot of them are, in, uh, are really in depth, and um, a lot of them are quite conflicting. It's 10.40 here on SENZ. It's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, 10.45 too here on SENZ. Uh, Louis Herman Watt before 11 o'clock. We've already had our visit to the TAB. Uh, but uh, we asked for text this morning on this MIQ facility subject and there's a bit of passion out there in the community and I'm re- really pleased that uh, you've responded. Uh, Reid has said uh, you should have been done from the beginning, Smitty. Hasn't there been... Uh, a massive sports complex built in Trentham for sports people. This would be ideal. Yes, I've heard a little bit about this, actually. Uh, I'm not quite sure it's equipped for this, but uh, yes, Rita, I have heard about this, and maybe that's something worth looking at. Uh, Andre, hi, Smithy. Yes, we need a purpose-built facility we can use for sport. That way our teams and individuals and visiting teams, etc., can continue with little disruption. We all need this to happen as a nation, both financially and for pleasure. Thank you, uh, Andre. Smithy, I agree a facility would be ideal. Aussie Olympians had a good one on their return. They were at a section of a Defence Force base that was done uh, to suit their needs. Plus, it was used uh, for returning deployed servicemen as well. Our troops take up regular spots, so surely we can do better. Uh, would, uh, who'd be a fan of an absolute prat like Nick, the ultimate achiever? That's Simon that snuck in there. That's an interesting one. Uh, talking about Nick Kyrgios. Uh, here's uh, one from Mike. Good to hear you back. MIQ should be with us uh, in the same form in the foreseeable future. There is no reason why sporting organisations and businesses couldn't put together a secure, user-pays, self-funded MIQ using transportable housing in a provincial location. When it's no longer required, the housing is added to the much-needed first-home housing stock in the area. Question is, could the bureaucrats relinquish some of their control? That is an interesting one in itself. Morning, uh, Ian, I'm enjoying uh, the Oz Open without Novaks. He's setting a poor example for the world and needs to read the fine print and put his ego away. There is some amazing emerging talent in men's tennis. That's uh, Brian. Uh, uh, getting back to Devin Conway, said Jared. Yeah, uh, Conway sounds like a humble Kiwi, uh, but what a star we have shined for some time, no doubt about that. Now, this is an interesting one that's coming. There's no name to it, um, but uh, it is uh, an illustration of how the other side of the fence uh, seems to think. And man, I, I don't disagree with you at all. It's just a perspective, and everyone's allowed that. Would you stop terrorists bringing nuclear weapons into the country? Sports worldwide are infected. We need to avoid contact as much as. As possible. What's more important, sport or the lives of your family? Now, you know, that's what I mean. There's passion involved, and I don't disagree. And uh, whilst I'd love to see a facility in my own thinking from a sporting point of view, I totally understand that there are a lot of people around this country who don't. Who, who really don't and uh, see it as a very minor thing on the radar uh, and health, family, people coming home for other reasons, much, much more important. So thank you for that and uh, don't begrudge you your opinion at all. Liam has come in and said, just let New Zealand sports stars isolate at home. If they are caught breaking isolation, it would be the end of government funding for that sports star, team, etc. Uh, John, so yeah, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of passion out there about this, but I just wonder if there's been any serious talk about it behind the scenes 
Yeah, it doesn't seem like there has, Smithy. I think the government is playing the safety first policy, which has paid off in terms of not many New Zealanders dying, hasn't it? Like Not letting uh, COVID in at all costs um, has stopped a lot of people from coming home, has stopped a lot of people from living their lives and playing sport and all sorts of things, but it has kept us relatively safe. But I do like that last idea, and it was something that Clark Laidlaw was pointing towards earlier on as well, the coach of the All Black Sevens. Athletes can be trusted, I think, when it comes to self-isolation. They're pretty, um, in their own routines and everything that they do, uh, they're used to being told what to do and living in these isolated bubbles when they compete overseas. So to come back home and to do it themselves, to home isolate, I think it makes a lot of sense. We can trust our sports people to do that, can't we, Smithy? Yeah, I think we should be able to. I mean, that was something I remember Ryan Fox talking about. You know, let, let me go home. Uh, I'll observe everything. Let me be a test case almost. Uh, this is last year when he was trying to get home. Uh, I'll show you that it can be done uh, and, you know, be an example. But uh, nothing happened out of that. But he finally got an MIQ spot, thank goodness. And his, yeah. his season picked up as a result of that. Yep. Uh, Brendan's come in and said all athletes uh, should just practice their DJ skills and get MIQ spots that way. <laughs> mm. Uh, very clever, Brendan. Yeah, very clever. Very clever, Brendan. Uh, yeah, very clever indeed. If you haven't heard uh, uh, the ICC Test Team of the Year, here it is: uh, Dumuth uh, Karanaratnara from Sri Lanka, Rohit Sharma uh, from India, Manaslava Shane from Australia. No argument there. Joe Root, Kane Williamson at five, but captain uh, Fawad Alam, uh, Rishabh Pant, uh, Ravichanda uh, Ashwin. And uh, Kyle Jamieson, no problem there on last year's form. Hassan Ali from Pakistan and Shaheen Afridi from Pakistan. So uh, interesting, uh, not one Australian seam bowler makes it, which is incredible because I think they're the best combination in the world at the moment, even though Boland, etc., have done their work this year, even last year. Uh, they were uh, absolutely outstanding. So uh, I don't have a problem there. Uh, Ashwin, no, not a problem there. Williamson at five. Uh, I'd rather bat Williamson at three and have Lubber Shane five because uh, when he bats, I get a migraine just watching him. So uh, I'd rather e- Williamson's much more easy on the eye, put it that way. Uh, just finally, Ken's come in and said, Smithy, there's some real talent in New Zealand with six domestic sides, led by Conway, uh, the new breed uh, at England with 20 odd county sides. Can't field a decent 11, and you are absolutely right. It just seems crazy. They can't find one decent opening batsman in all their county cricket, let alone two. Uh, let's see how they go in the West Indies. That'll be a real test for them. If they don't do well there, uh, goodness knows what they're going to do over there. Uh, it's 10 for 51 here on SENZ. Louis before 11. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing.NZ update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, forgive me for being excited, but we're around 29 hours away from the first at Ellerslie tomorrow, and uh, I sound like a new kid uh, with a new toy, but I, I love it. I mean, uh, last year's atmosphere was as good, and that night out with me, Louis Herman, what was as good as anything I've experienced in sport. Um, sounds weird, but it's true. Welcome to the real Christmas Eve, Smithy. Mm. Here we are. Yeah. The eve of uh, what is the closest thing you get to a World Cup final, you know, for racing, I reckon. It's it's like you get the barrier draw, the team naming on the Wednesday. We did it live in this slot in your show. Mm. How fun was that? Building the hype, and then... You get the drama. Grayson Gray gets scratched out of the two-year-old race yesterday, pulled a muscle. You know, a replacement time flies is worthy, comes in. 
You've got the money coming for Wolverine. You've got the money coming for Dynastic, Opie Bossen, the, the Tiakau Empire. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody knows because they're two-year-olds. And the, just the storylines galore. And it, could there be a boil over? Can someone like Sacred Satono get up on the, space, the pace or Alabama Gold, Barrier 14, get across? It's just brilliant. Mm. It's so good. Well, I, you know, it's, it's not just that race, though. It's a, and we know there's a three-year-old race uh, that's the last race on the card, I think about 10 to 8. So it's going to be a late night. But uh, throughout the, the superstar horse names, I mean, you know, sort of state, the champion two-year-old of last year, had a crack in Australia, wasn't as good as uh, perhaps they wanted it to be, back home again, you know, and, and they go on. They go on, Smithy. Uh, how about this? Amaralina mm. run that unbelievable Quinella with Aegon in the three-year-old classic last year. She's back on the same night, and here I am, who, and I've made a mint off her in the Oaks, but I'm backing against her. Okay. I don't think she's ready over the 1,400, and it's not, it's not a knock on the training effort or how ready she is. I just would like to see her over more ground, and I want to see her get this run into her. She went to Australia for the spring, tough fields. She was off the pace a lot of the time, got checked a couple of times. She's two seventy, open at two fifty. I'd need to see a three dollars something before I back her. For me, five fifty and two dollars ten. We are all, each way all day on our alley cat barrier three. She ran huge behind Levante in this race last year, and I think scrapped the railway race last mm. year. Uh, last last start, her form this prep has been huge. So Vicky Prendergast, Sammy Weatherly race two. I'm big on and and you said it, the three year old classic, on the bubbles. I know the vested interest you have. Uh, it's a couple of some of my great friends involved with that horse and some brilliant people, and I'd love to see on the bubbles win. I, I re- really would. But I think the danger here, 21s into 15s, 2-2 Kaka, Tudor Kaka, um, Lee Thinnis, Tony Pike, Blinkers go on, Melody Bell's half-brother out of Malika Bell. Danger. Well, Leith won it last year, didn't he, on Aegon? Knows how to win the race over the, the, the mile at Ellerslie. 15 bucks and $4. Right now, here's the bet. Our Ali Kata place into Tutu Kaka top four. So you're getting uh, a fourth. You're getting Tutu getting about 5 bucks 50 for that. Great money. $5.50, you take that on a buck any day of the week, don't you? Just a place into a top four. How easy is it? Sleep well, mate. Big day for you tomorrow. Smithy! Very big day for you, Louis Herman Watt. Big day for all of us. Uh, big next hour coming up too here on SENZ. A lot of tennis to talk about with Jenny Drummond. It's coming up 11 o'clock and it's time for John McNeil with the news. The sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03 here on SENZ, uh, 11.03 New Zealand time uh, in Australia a good deal earlier, of course, uh, which makes us very grateful that uh, Jenny Drummond has made herself available to us again. We so enjoyed talking to her the other day. Uh, that was uh, after Andy Murray had done so well. But, uh, Jenny, uh, thanks for joining us again this morning. Not, <laughs> not such a great night for the Brits last night. No, it, it was a really tough one, actually. And Andy Murray said that himself. He's, he was really disappointed to have gone out, particularly in straight sets, because on paper I was doing a, a twilight show, a preview show for Australian Open Radio. And um, I was, there was another Brit on the show, and we were saying, oh, you know, on paper Andy should be okay. He, he sometimes does take a little bit longer in his matches just because of his style of play, but realistically... We don't think he's going to lose that match. So I think, actually, everyone was a little bit shocked that he did lose in straight sets, especially to to a qualifier. If it had been someone, you know, with a, a much higher ranking, I think there wouldn't have been such an element of surprise. But... 
for Murray, you know, you just everyone is concerned, you know, how much time he's got left and with the effort that he puts in, he was particularly disappointed with that result. And then you've got Emma Raducanu who had horrendous blisters on her hands. So she's and she's come out and she said, I mean, that's a tough loss as well to Danka Kovinic and she's come out and said, Look, if I can pace play through that amount of pain, then I realise I'm tougher than I ever was. So she's she, for a 19-year-old, she's got a really smart head on her shoulders, to be honest. I've got to ask, um, and I, I imagine someone else is probably going to ask about that, how does that happen? Does that happen often uh, with tennis players, young tennis players? And does that, is that an indication that maybe they've been working here too hard going into this event? The blister situation? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what, <clears throat> it, it can depend on conditions sometimes, if it's a bit hotter for them than what they normally um, practice in, that can build up a bit of a blister. I mean, Rafa Nadal wears um, basically plasters on all of his fingers, he's mm. had bad blisters. Marin Cilic, Wimbledon final, he had a huge blister on his foot a few years ago, Um he really struggled there. So, do you know, I think it's one of just those unfortunate things. And it could be that you, you pick it up at a random time. Other times it can be from lack of practicing, lack of playing. So I think it's just particularly unfortunate for her, really. So Emma's gone. She was a 17th seed, but there was a little bit of carnage a lot higher up in terms of the seeding with Muguruza gone and uh, also Conteve is out. Yeah. So uh, a very tame performance yeah. from um, Muguruza. She's an interesting player uh, because she can be like that. I mean, she is the definition of hot and cold. She is, but I have to give credit to her opponent yesterday, Elise Corney, the French woman who's 31, uh, she's actually 32 in a couple of days, so she did say afterwards that that victory was an early birthday present to herself because Corny in the, in the first set in particular played brilliantly and then just stood really strong in the second and she's at that, she's admitted she's at that point in her career where she just wants to enjoy it, she is making the most of her last two years on the tour however long she's going to be there and Muguruza couldn't find a way past her, so it's Muguruza was disappointed, but she was quite practical in her post-match press conference, actually, just kind of saying, you know what, sometimes these things happen. And it was interesting, though, the match straight after, though, Arena Sabalenka went on, and she's the second seed, number two player in the world. She she went a set down, so we thought, oh, goodness me, we're going to be losing the second and third seeds very, very quickly. She's been having some terrible serving problems, you know, double figures double faults within the first few games type situation and that was and she in her post-match and she asked her she said look my serve is breaking down but if I can win I've got good enough shots to win out with that so that's just what I've got to tell myself so it's going to be interesting to see how far she can actually go basically with kind of half a serve in this tournament. Well, Jenny, when, often when seeds go out early in the competition, that's when we find a, a fairy tale come through, uh, like a Raducanu at the uh, US Open. But we've still got Ash Barty mm-hmm. sitting there, um, uh, you know, with top seeds uh, falling and uh, being under pressure. Barty against uh, the Italian Georgie tonight. Uh, I think uh, Georgie played yeah. very well at times in her, her uh, match the other day. I watched uh, very closely. and uh, But Barty at home uh, with this crowd, uh, I think maybe a step too far for her. Yeah, I mean Georgie. Georgie's a difficult player. She only has one gear, and that is not to cover off the ball. 
Um, there's no such thing with her as a first and second serve. They're both first serves. So Barty knows exactly what she's going to get. That's one thing. It's just going to be the ball hit at her at a very hard pace. Sometimes, though, if Georgie is doing that to perfection, it's very, very difficult to get past her. Mm-hmm. Um, she will she will fight to the bitter end, but I do think that Barty's variation just doesn't allow Georgie to always hit the ball in her sweet spot when she wants to. So um, I imagine Barty will just be chucking in some angles, some slides coming to the net, really working her serve as well, not allowing... Georgie to swing off that um, so I do th- I do think Georgie will put in a pretty good performance but I, I, I agree with you that Barty will, will come through that one mm, Interesting, okay let's uh, pop across to the men's side of things and uh, whilst a lot, sure. of pe- a lot of people perceive him as uh, Nick Kyrgios uh, as a, a bit of a showman sometimes a, <laughs> a wee bit of an idiot sometimes not that good for the uh, tennis uh, it's uh, a bit of a shame in terms of atmosphere uh, that he had to strike Medvedev that early and of course he's disappeared Yeah, you know I was watching the match and it was it was highly entertaining. He just loved the crowd. And that element is really fun. The, the way in which he wins a point, the showmanship is just addictive to watch. And his reactions as well, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. And the, the Australian Open certainly wouldn't be the same without him. You, you do have the flip side where, you know, Medvedev was, was pretty annoyed at the disrespect from the crowd. And even with Jim Courier, when, when Jim Courier was interviewing him after. Um, so I, I'm not sure. There's, I enjoy the, the element of a sport crowd getting really getting involved. But there, there is, you know, the area where there has to be a bit of respect maybe between serves because that's happened the last couple of matches. The, the crowd were really going at Liam Brody as well. But having said that, it's got everyone talking and about the Australian Open and it's sometimes traditions need to be shaken up a little bit and Nick Kyrgios certainly does that and he is, I think anyone who watches him can just see the natural talent oozes from the guy. He's played 11 matches in about two years and he can take a set off the world number two. So I think it's pretty good going. Yeah, he's pretty brave when you start talking about Australian crowds and uh, saying that they have low IQs. You sort of, uh, you really are lighting, you're lighting, you're lighting the fuse there. And if you're going to go the whole distance, uh, I imagine that uh, Daniel Medvedev uh, is going to have to either wear earmuffs or be very, very um, uh, clever in his ability to shut the crowd out because it's going to be a tough next uh, seven or eight days for him. It is, but if anyone can do it, he can do it. But that's one thing I do like about him. He doesn't try to be anybody else. He he is honest as they come. And we've seen him, you know, get on the wrong side of the, the American crowd at the US Open, and then somehow they, they ended up loving him. Just because going into that match yesterday against Kyrgios, I thought if anyone's personality can deal with the Australian crowd, it's Medvedev. Mm. That's not an element that's going to put him off because... Medvedev yesterday, he's normally quite vocal and um, you know a lot of what's going on, but he was very sombre yesterday compared to what he normally is. So I think it, he was just finding his way of, of dealing with the crowd yesterday. And I th- sometimes I think it will just rile him up even more. It will actually get the better out of him because he'll want to prove that um, he's there to win. 
they like Sitsipas. They really do like him by the sounds of things. He's very popular at his post-match conference. He's uh, he's got an interesting one against uh, the Frenchman Pere tonight. In fact, tomorrow, I think. He does. He does. Sorry, yeah, tomorrow he played last night. He dropped a set last night. Um, And he... Yeah, he is a very interesting one. He's a very talented player, that's for sure. Um, and he's well. His first round match, he was absolutely unbelievable. He, he plays Benoit Pair, as you say, who I think has surprised everybody by getting to the third round of the Australian Open. He beat Grigor Dimitrov in the previous round, which is an incredible win because it, it was pretty obvious last year Benoit Pair was going through some pretty tough stuff off the court, not enjoying his tennis. He was pretty vocal about a few things. Um, ruffling some feathers on the tour. He wasn't happy with how things were being run. Um, but clearly he's gone away and just sorted what's going on with himself and come out and is playing some great tennis. I think um, Tsitsipas and Pear know each other's games very well indeed. Um, and I just I don't I don't see Pear progressing beyond Tsitsipas because um, I believe the Greek just has an, a, another level that, that Pear won't have. And physically, I don't think Pear can match Tsitsipas, certainly if it went to five sets now that Pear's in the, in the third round. But still, I have to say credit to Pear for getting to the third round. He really has surprised quite a few people. And, and by all accounts, he's, he's very much enjoying his tennis in this week. Jenny, we've got a really interesting night tonight because we've talked about uh, Georgie versus Barty, but around about the same time uh, we're looking at Naomi Osaka back on court again and that match-up is looming between her and Barty. And, of course, for now that Andy Murray's gone, the old yeah. brigade are really solely represented by Nadal, who plays Kashnikov tonight. Yeah, you know, um, Osaka, that's a really interesting one against American Amanda Anisimova, who just won... Um, she just won a title here in Australia. She beat Belinda Bencic, who was a little bit injured in the previous round. But um, Anisimova comes into to this match in very good form indeed. She had a, a number of injury issues last year. Couldn't really play too many matches. But she's come back in 2022 with a vengeance. She's a young player. Um, and I think she could really trouble Osaka there. Um, Osaka, I guess, for both Barty and Osaka, they're trying to get through this match and not think about you know what's to come. But I, I genuinely think that Osaka could um, <clears throat> come up against a little bit of trouble against the, the American, that's for sure. Just when we... You also mentioned Rafa, didn't yeah, you? Yes, I did, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone's excited. That's a pretty good uh, night session. You've got Barty and Rafa if you've got a ticket tonight on Rod Laver Arena. Very exciting indeed. He loves playing under the lights in Rod Laver Arena. He absolutely does. And being second on... He will want to get on and off the court as quickly as he possibly can. So I imagine we'll see some pretty powerful stuff from the Spaniards. Well, Jenny, you're on the spot over there. And of course, uh, we, we talked to you earlier on in the week and we did uh, just brush over the fact that uh, Djokovic is gone and we could get on with the tennis. But it seems, uh, we're hearing anyway, that seems perhaps he's not gone for good. Uh, and we're reading a headline that, that he's uh, in, maybe intends to sue the Australian government for $6 million, including uh, possible prize money that he's missing out on. Yeah, look, it's a really difficult situation, and not to mention also the, the fact that he can't defend his, his points that he won here at the Australian Open last year as well. So that's going, it's going to affect his ranking. It's going to affect him in many different capacities. So I... 
I totally agree with you. This whole thing is going to continue for a long time to come, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he does go through with that. There, there are going to, there are going to be so many technicalities that both sets of lawyers, the government and Raf, and sorry, excuse me, Djokovic's lawyers will be finding to to kind of well, certainly the Australian government will want to kind of finish it and that be that. But you know, Djokovic has, has lost some earnings. He has lost. Um, probably some pride he has lost his opportunity to defend his title he's lost a lot so he I'm not surprised that he's trying to fight it but the the whole situation is a real shame a real mess and it's I just think it's I don't think anyone has come out of this feeling good in any way shape or form to be mm. honest with you uh, uh, it's sad but it's it's ongoing it's a headline maker and uh, at the end of the day, uh, there's uh, a lot of pride having to be swallowed and uh, we, we just know from his on-court attitude and that sort of thing, he, uh, one of the reasons why he's uh, the best player in the world at the moment is because he doesn't go away, uh, and that's the simple truth. Yeah, I mean, you may be viewing the situation like a five-set battle, right? Mm, and yeah. at the moment he's two sets to love down, but that certainly doesn't mean that he's going to give up in any way, shape or form. If anyone can win in five sets, it's Novak Djokovic from two sets down. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm not surprised by any stretch of the imagination that it's, it's ongoing. But how does that affect someone off the court when they need to focus on the court? Mm. But, you know, it's interesting what the US has said about non-US citizens who are um, unvaccinated not being allowed into the US. We've got Indian Wells Miami coming up. So, the saga does continue, and that's all before Roland Garros. And the last time I was on, we spoke because that news had newly broken. You know, they keep saying that um, and no unvaccinated players were going to be allowed to play Roland Garros. So this is going to continue, that's for sure. No doubt about that. Yeah, I think uh, every tennis federation around the world uh, will look at this as a test case um, because uh, if, if, he, if he took him on and, and he happened to win... Um, all of a sudden, uh, he's got grounds for the future. So, hey, Jenny, thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, twice this week you've been good enough to talk to us. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, enjoy uh, yourself, your time over there uh, in Australia, and uh, we may even inv- invite, uh, invade your privacy once more if, uh, if we can. You've been fantastic. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Jenny Drummond there, who uh, is a commentator on SEN for the tennis, right on the spot in the hot uh, seat there. Uh, Centre Court, Rod Laver Arena, Margaret Court Arena, of course. So um, all those wonderful uh, tennis facilities there in Melbourne, which are underway and fully operational and very, very busy as the the tournament reaches towards the end of the first week. So, uh, Jenny, thank you very much for that. It is 11.19 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, uh, we're going to have a Super Smash update, courtesy of uh, Juriscape Lawn Seed from either PGG Wrightson or Fruit Fed Stores. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And it is uh, 11.24. Yes, as I mentioned, Super Smash update time brought to uh, you by Juriscape, the Lawn Seed from PGG Wrightson or fruit-fed stores. Uh, yesterday we started out uh, as our show uh, came to an end. Uh, the Auckland Hearts were taking on the Wellington Blaze. That was uh, out there at Eden Park, the Kennards Oval. Uh, they were rolled in the end, uh, the Auckland Hearts, for 89. So the Kerr sisters getting a couple of wickets and Sophie Devine uh, chipping in with three as well. 
so they crumbled after a relatively good start. Uh, then the Blaze knocked them off uh, for the loss of five and just 13.2 overs. They have been so dominant. Uh, perfect record. Blaze uh, win by five wickets. And then after that, uh, JD, uh, the Aces 121 for nine. Uh, simply wasn't anywhere near good enough to beat the Firebird. So Wellington really have uh, found this formula on how to play across the board, men's and women's teams, and uh, that is uh, very, very interesting in itself. Michael Bracewell and Tom Blundell. We mentioned Blundell coming back. Devin Conway missed out yesterday. Uh, he got a good one from uh, Lockie Ferguson, but uh, Bracewell 54 not out, Blundell 41 not out, winning by eight wickets. Uh, two cakewalks. Yeah, capital punishment in Auckland. So the Auckland teams are struggling a bit. That was a big win, especially for the Firebirds. Uh, the Blaze are just cruising, aren't they? Nine from nine, and good luck stopping them. I think Canterbury won it last year, maybe, the T20 stuff. I think they upset them maybe in the in the final, but they're going to need to win today, Canterbury. Uh, the Magicians against the Northern Brave. That is today's first game at 10 past three at Hagley Oval, so home advantage for the Magicians against the Brave Women. And then tonight's big game, the Canterbury Kings against the Northern Brave Men at 20 to seven, Smithy, and a stacked, absolutely stacked Northern Brave team. Uh, they've got Southie and Bolt. Mm-hmm. Back in wow. their squad uh, for today's game. Uh, Ish Sodi as well, who's one of the best limited overs bowlers going around. He had a great T20 World Cup, didn't he, mm. for the Black Caps. Add to that, Jeet Raval, the captain, uh, Colin de Gronholm, uh, Henry Cooper, Joe Walker, uh, Mitch Santner, and Scott Kugeline, Tim Seifert. Not a bad lineup taking on Canterbury, who have their own stars as well, and Tom Latham and Daryl Mitchell and Matt Henry and the like. So, an absolute ripper game coming up tonight at 20 to 7. Well, that's a classic. If you look at that bowling attack, then you look Southie and Bolt, uh, then you come in with Kugeline after that, and then you've got our two supposed best white ball spinners in Santner and Sodi. I mean, you'd have to rate them as relatively warm favourites. Canterbury at home are never easy at anything. But you think that bowling attack should account for most domestic sides yep. uh, around New Zealand, wouldn't you? Yeah, and De Gronholm added in there as well. So, That's right, yeah. Wow, you've got some options and a lot to play for for some of those guys. Um, now that there's no internationals in Australia, um, you know, limited spots up for grabs for the T20 World Cup later in the year. So, um, yeah, you are looking at a guy like Colin De Gronholm to, to put in a big effort against top-quality batsmen. Uh, and bowlers that Canterbury have as well. And in terms of the table, the Canterbury Kings are second at the moment behind the Northern Brave. So it's a top-of-the-table clash, and it could be a preview of the final coming up in a few weeks' time. Very interesting, that. Um, and, uh, of course, also wasted opportunities because they're not going to Australia. Now, New Zealand were, they didn't have to in the end, but they were going to name a side uh, that was devoid of all test players because yep. the crossover time, even if they had got MIQ spots, was too close to the South African test series. So they didn't want their test players involved in going to Australia. That would have opened the door for a lot of those candidates you're just talking about to go over and play some white ball cricket. Uh, and then, of course, uh, it also is an opportunity against the very best in their own conditions, Australia, to make a mark. Yeah. Uh, so there, therefore, uh, that's a wasted opportunity, a lost opportunity for the likes of De Grandholm to say I'm back, yep. or other players to to make the mix. Seifert's another one who who could have said, "Yeah, I can do well in Australian conditions." So it doesn't help Gary Stead at all that situation. No, and getting used to conditions. You've probably um, very good to answer this question, Smithy. Playing in New Zealand compared to playing in Australia, the conditions are totally different, aren't they? Even though we're so close, and do you need to? 
you know, play in that environment, play in the Australian conditions. If you're going to be picked in the T20 World Cup over there, you've got to show that you can do it over there, right? Well, it's an opportunity. Uh, certainly, the generally speaking, the uh, ball bounces more and it's quicker. Uh, the pace is quicker. But having said that, they're usually true. And if you get in and get form there, you get good value for shots. That is a, you know, that's why a lot of people make do so well in Australia. The batsman is so good when they can handle the shorter, faster bowling uh, and then they can find the gaps. They get four. You, you, yep. It's just the wonderful conditions. But uh, again, here we go. We're, we've missed out on four golden opportunities. And perhaps if uh, Australia couldn't come here, they could have played the whole double series over there. So you're looking at seven, I think, seven games of white ball cricket yeah. where you could have said, I like Australia. I can play well in Australia. The T20 World Cup's here in Australia. Pick me. Yeah. Uh, and there are opportunities that have just gone astray. So, uh, no upside to that whatsoever. We've got Mick Guerin coming in in the next uh, half hour, of course, uh, with our uh, trotting segment. Get, enrolled, uh, get involved with uh, the harness industry you like on uh, hrnz.co.nz. Um, but in the uh, interim, of course, it's uh, coming up to 11.30. So get on the phone, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Uh, see if you can win 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers to spend over the weekend. Good luck. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. And he's in the studio in Auckland. He's made the flight up from Hawke's Bay and he's here in the big smoke hoping for a good result in the Karaka Millions tomorrow and hoping for a good result in Stump by Smithy. The quiz is Joe from Palmy North. G'day, Joe. Yeah, morning, guys. How are you, mate? Going good? You still yeah, on yep. holiday? You've been working through? What's What's been happening in Palmy? No, working through. Yep. Um, unfortunately, I'm retail, so they pretty much black out the um, the entire December-January period. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But February up to Lake Kratowiti in two weeks' time, so looking forward to that. One of the best spots in New Zealand, the Lakes District. Absolutely love it. All right, Joe, well, let's hope that you win some money to take with you to pay for that lovely holiday. You know how the game works. Three sporting categories, you choose one, get three questions right, you win, get one wrong, and you can be stumped. So today, your categories are darts, tennis, and football slash soccer. Do you like any of those? Oh, I'll go footy. You'll go footy? Yeah. All right, all right. Smithy doesn't mind his footy, so let's go. Question number one about football. Which English second division club does Wayne Rooney currently manage? Oh, it's the bull. Um, I know it, but it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Just need to get it out your mouth and through your phone oh, and man. onto the radio. Derby something, is it? That's not couple yeah. of chips down the wicket. Oh, right okay. in the slot <laughs> and the way it goes. Derby something's close wow. enough, isn't it, Smithy? Yeah, Derby County. Um, <laughs> Derby County, yeah. there we go. Not one of the great sides in the history of British oh. football, but they've got a great history. Uh, actually, he's mooted. Being mooted is taking over at Everton. Uh, uh, they're talking about Wayne Rooney going back to Already? his old roots at Everton. Uh, so that would be an interesting signing. So we'll keep a, our uh, finger on that. But yep, 1 0 to you, Joe. Well done. All right, Joe. Well, it's kind of half a one, wasn't it? But we'll give you the full one. It is a Friday, a thirsty Friday, heading into the big racing weekend. Question number two Who is currently the top scorer in the English Premier League? Uh, the Mo Seller. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot, and away it goes. 
You would have known that, Smithy. Any uh, guesses at how many goals he scored no, so far this season? No, he would have scored, I would think, around 13 already. 16, 16. from 20 games. And wow. I think the next person is a Liverpool teammate on 10, and no other striker from any other club has 10 or more goals. So I was worried about Chris Wood only having three. Mm. But he's in pretty good company. Not many uh, goal scorers this year in the Premier League. He'll want to score some more for Newcastle, otherwise uh, he won't be a very popular man <laughs> up, up north. Yes, yes, they're not very forgiving up there. All right, on to question number three, Joe, for the sleep drops as well. Remember that, the daytime revive and the $50 from the TAB. This might be going back a bit. When were you born, by the way, Joe? What year? Uh, 94. Oh, OK, right. So you might need to know your football history here. Who did New Zealand face in their first ever World Cup match in 1982. Oh, um, I wouldn't have any idea. Um, I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say the Italians. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithies left the door open for you for he, question number three. He has actually. Um, I'm pretty sure they played Scotland in that tournament and I, I think they got goals. Uh, against uh, a Scottish side which included a bloke by the name of Archie Gemmell. I think Steve Sumner scored against Scotland, which was quite a romantic thing for him in particular. Uh, I'm going to say Russia. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. What happened, Smithy? You were talking about Scotland, you were talking about oh, no. goal scoring, and it was Scotland. Oh, no, I thought yeah. it was second or third game. Oh. No, no. So the door is shut, and Joe, you win. 50 bucks from the TAB. I How don't good. believe that. Easy as that. <laughs> I don't believe that. What happened, Smithy? Well, I, I, I just had it in my mind that it wasn't the first match. Like New Zealand, uh, they got blanked in the first game. I was just thinking to myself, but they, they, they came back and scored against Scotland. And I thought, I remember thinking that, you know, was quite an amazing achievement. But I just completely forgot that was first That up. was first game. Oh, man. Okay, Joey, well done. Stay on the line. Congratulations. Uh, you have won. Uh, this morning, those uh, 50 bucks with the TAB vouchers, and um, uh, you don't get the sleep drops because you didn't get that last question right, but you win the 50, and good luck over the weekend, uh, and turning it into a, a lot more. And uh, keep ringing in, folks, um, 0800 150 811, and uh, we would uh, continue to love to play with you, and our next one will be on Monday around about 11.30. In the meantime, here on SCNZ on this Friday, it's 11.37. Uh, when we come back, uh, Mick Guerin will be here with his uh, favourite slot and uh, we'll be talking about harness racing. The bridge, uh, but uh, Mick Guerin has come in, of course, and his uh, usual slot here as we look forward to the harness racing action over the weekend. Good morning to you, Mick. Uh, tonight, headquarters, Alexandra Park, South Island headquarters, Addington, uh, play host to the harness uh, horses, of course. And on Sunday, back on the grass at Morakarara. So even though uh, a lot of the focus will be on Ellerslie, it's uh, a busy weekend for the harness drivers in particular. It sure is. Smithy, good morning to you. Good morning to all the SENZ listeners around the country. Hope you're doing well and enjoying freedoms, which <laughs> Smithy may not be here this time next week. So mm. I went out and saw Paul Wilcox at Alice yesterday. We'll get to the harness in a sec. And I said, what do we make of this? Because everybody knows Omicron's coming. And obviously a race meeting's a vastly different thing at red levels where you can get 900 people to Ellerslie as opposed to Orange, where we're hoping to get 5,000 tomorrow. He said, we're just hoping to get through this weekend and then we'll worry about Avondale Cups and what lies ahead. So I think a lot of Aucklanders and people from outside Auckland, including some of your family members, Smithy, 
looking forward to the party at Ellerslie tomorrow because it's a great night and we don't want to see it ruined. We'll worry about Omicron Sunday mornings, almost <laughs> the attitude the racing industry taking to this. <laughs> how, how much notice uh, would they get? Are, are you across that, Mick? I mean, is it a 24-hour sort of scenario here? I mean, is it instant? That, that's exactly what that's yeah. exactly what Paul said. And he said, he said if we get to 4 p.m. Friday, which is only five hours from now or four hours from now, he said, we're pretty comfortable. We, we don't think they're going to shut us down straight away. And obviously, there's a lot of vaccinated people in the country. But, um, yeah, we're hoping that, that, that we get through this weekend. And please, I hope I don't remember no one thinks that we think that race meetings are the most important part of a pandemic. We realise that, but we're talking about that specifically on the show. Mm. So they're thinking inside 24 hours, they are fine. And obviously, there's an enormous array of events held over New Zealand around a weekend, Smithy, which will be hard to cancel immediately. Um, as I said, heading into February, there's a lot of major race meetings. There's also horse sales for both codes in February and March. And all of those things will still go ahead. So there's no need for any race meetings or sales or even industry-related events to be cancelled. What we're talking about is the ability for crowds to go here uh, or whether they become semi-closed off fixtures. So that's racing's um, answers to Omicron. For those who are wondering how the racing of summer looks at this stage, and like everybody, we're hoping that we can keep it at bay for as long as possible. Well, Mick, well within that 24-hour period is tonight, of course, and that means uh, Alexandra Park and Addington will see action. They can have crowds. But they can, and there's some really good horses at Alexandra Park tonight. It used to be a time of the year when things were a bit quieter in harness racing, but they've changed the season. The season now runs calendar year, Jan 1, December 31. Mm -hmm. So the best horse in the country, or the best pacer in the country, returns tonight himself assured because usually he would be in Australia. He can't be because of the travel restrictions. He's in the last race on the card tonight, and, and he absolutely should be winning. Um, Depends on the start. If Mark Purton goes forward and gets the lead, he'll be too good. If he drives him into field, well, then luck becomes a 10 or 15% factor. So he's racing tonight and getting ready for some big clashes over the next couple of months. It's a nice city where there's a lot of short-priced favourites, and that's at both meetings, Addington and Alexandra Park. So the two big twin towers of harness racing race um, in cahoots tonight, so basically you go from one meeting to the next. Uh, there's a lot of short-priced horses. You can take those sort of you know, bets on. Here's one for the punters, and I know, Smitty, you've got lots of sports fans listening to your show. Race 7 tonight, Alexandra Park, horse called Sevi, named after the great Spanish golfer, of course, Sevi Ballesteros. Uh, the first ever New Zealand racehorse side by former champion Pacer Vincent. Sevi will be winning tonight. He'll have a huge following. He opened a dollar eighty. He'll climb Smithy a dollar thirty, even from barrier seven. Mm. And I think it could be a dream start to the stud career of uh, Vincent. So look out for Sevi. You can take him and a few all uppers, Smithy. Horses to follow tonight for those all ups. Very small odds. I'm not produ producing anything staggering here, but you can take Bollinger at Addington. You can take Franco Indy at Addington, you can take a horse like Wi-Fi at Alexandra Park, tie those all into a multi with Sevy and with Self-Assured. You won't get rich, but it might put some money in the account city for tomorrow evening, 4.29 at Ellerslie, and then onto the grass at the Mott on Sunday. I'm just getting word in my ear that you've just bought a new spaceship. No. What was that? Uh, Smithy, we decided that uh, that 
we can make money out of taking on the TRB responsibly. Of course, CCNZ wants responsible gambling, but if you pay attention and you're willing to look at the percentages, we can do that. And yes, we're putting some of that money into a new car, Smitty, because as you know, as you get older and fatter and uglier, you need things to make you look better, Smitty. So I've decided to buy a new car to make me generally more attractive to people. Thank you very much for saying as I know. Love that, Mick. <laughs> right, here we go. Oh, it's just going to be quite complimentary, um, uh, but we'll rush through things now. Uh, $2.48 million worth of stakes tomorrow at Ellerslie, just by the by. Uh, I would imagine some of that will be your focus tomorrow morning on the mail run with uh, Louis Herman Watt, and then of course you've got your show on a Sunday with Greg, yeah? Well, actually, we've got more, um, Smithy. We've got so tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock on ECNZ, we have a huge preview of Karakin Blend. Basically, it'll swallow the show. A couple of horses I really like there, so we'll be tipping them hard on the mail run. Then on Sunday at noon, we have Trots Talk, our regular weekly harness racing show, but a bonus for ECNZ listeners on Sunday. From 1 to 2, we have a special, the Mail Run Extra. We'll be reviewing Karaka Million Night, talking about the winners, talking about the losers, talking about how he made money or lost money on the punt, and talking to some of the people involved. So from 12 to 2 mm-hmm. on ECNZ this Sunday, it's going to be back-to-back racing, and we're going to talk to all the people involved, Smithy, some of whom are likely to be dehydrated. Uh, absolutely. Uh, don't ring me. That's all I can say. <laughs> Don't ring me. Uh, I'm out. Uh, I'm out to go and get myself a mirror because I didn't realise you were describing me in that vein. So I've got to take a good long no, look at talking, myself. I was talking more more me, Smithy, than you. You're yes. a national sporting icon, Smithy. I need the car to make me look better because no one knows. I Anyone am. knows, Mick Gearin, that you're an athlete. Everyone knows that. <laughs> An absolute oh, athlete. It's, it's, a, it's a bad day for athletics, Lydia, really, that's true. <laughs> Look forward to all your work over the weekend here on SENZ, and if I can catch a glimpse of you tomorrow uh, tomorrow evening, I shall certainly uh, come up and uh, we can compare sizes. Uh, it's 11... Compare beer bellies. Yeah, <laughs> and add to them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mick, have a great weekend. It's a big one for racing people, so let's uh, hope you can uh, enjoy it in the fullest capacity. Thanks for your time. Good luck. You too, mate. It is uh, 11.50 here on uh, SENZ. Yes, uh, JD. Uh, Mick Guerin there with uh, news of that. I, I, and you can sort of sense, and I know there's probably a few people out there thinking you've, we might have overdone it on the racing this week, but it's a special week. Well, yeah, I didn't realise just how big it was. Um, pe- people talking about it like Louis, who lives for it. Mm. Uh, it says this is the biggest race night. And I heard other people saying if you're going to go to one race, one event uh, in horse racing in New Zealand, you go to the Karaka Millions. It's short but it leaves you wanting more. And Smithy, um, you were telling me about superstitions. So what are you doing for the for the weekend? Well, uh, I can let you in on a little secret um, in that capacity. I don't really want to make it public. I just thought I'd talk about that behind the scenes. But oh, sorry. Here mate. we go. <laughs> uh, here we go. Uh, what are we going to do? Uh, well, my wife and I, Louise, uh, and I f- uh, flew up last night, and uh, my son, who has a vested interest, um, Jared, the eldest, uh, he's the only one of us that does his first ever racehorse is a horse called On the Bubbles. On the Bubbles won last year, the two-year-old uh, $1 million classic. Wow. Uh, and it's in the three-year-old one uh, this year as well. Uh, managed to 
get through into the field. Um, and uh, it's the favourite, incidentally. I think it's about $1.70 or something. It's ridiculously short. Yeah, $1.60. Yeah. It's ridiculously short uh, uh, for me. But anyway, he's a very superstitious young man, a former sportsman. So uh, what we've got to do is do exactly the same thing. So I won't tell you the <laughs> venues, yeah. but we have to stay in the same hotel, which we've done. We have to have at the same lunch mm-hmm. place today. We have to go to the same particular bar and have uh, drinks afterwards. Then we have to go to a certain place and have an investment tonight. Because you know why? We did that last year. Uh, tomorrow we have to do go through the same rigmarole as well right up till race time and emulate as much as we can which means I'm not allowed to with the rest of the family watch the race uh, along in the you're company. not allowed to watch That's it with them not with them I have to go into another grandstand entirely into another area entirely to watch the race because that's what we did, <laughs> that's what you last, did last year, year. good god I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, does it really matter? I mean, if the horse is good enough and we know Opie Boston will be good enough, it'll win. And uh, uh, if it does, all those superstitions, uh, he'll, he'll trade on them. And if it doesn't, um, it'll be one of our fault. It will be one of our oh, faults. Who's, who's he going to blame? We, Surely Dad. It's got to be Dad. We didn't toe the line. We yeah. didn't, he wouldn't have the guts to blame Mum, I'll tell you that. It's 11.52, Staffy, before the break.